You have reached the Geek Elite. Good luck. Man, that movie was excellent. It really was. Totally blew my expectations away. I know, right? Now I really want to tell everyone about it. But I'm not sure how. Yeah. If only there was a podcast dedicated to reviewing films and discussing the latest news and trailers on upcoming films. That would be nice. Yes, for sure. And we can call it The Senegai Show. <laughs> what? No. It will be called Real Movie Critic Unleashed. Uh, no. How about Senegai featuring Real Movie Critic? Uh, how about the Real Movie Critic and his sidekick, the Senegai? CG and RMC. RMC and CG! The Real Movie Critic versus the Senegai. Only at CertainPOV.com or wherever you get your podcasts. You're going down, Critic. Bring it on, guy. Welcome, everybody, to We Have Issues, Geek Elite Media Show that's about everything literary, books, comic books, webcomics, manga, and everything else you might be reading. I am your host, Keith, and I'm joined by my Star Wars sidekick, who is always at my side, Hosway. It took me until I completely wiped away my tears to realize that Boom Studios, on the last page of a series, once again, just made me bawl my eyes out. <laughs> yeah, we're definitely going to be talking about that in just a bit, so... <laughs> Um, so, uh, you know, we, we're here to talk about comics, like always. Um, we have a little bit of news. First thing I want to go uh, go ahead and say is, suck it, racist. Shang-Chi had a great opening weekend. Fuck, yes! <laughs> <laughs> uh, loved the movie. Me and Jose both loved the movie. Yeah. Check out the, uh, guest starring role we did on the Ru- Ru- Movie Critic versus the Senegai over at Certain POV. Mm-hmm. Had a lot of fun. I got to get our opinions out there. It was fun because me and Josue actually read the comics and they don't. So we're able to provide a little bit of a insight as to how it compares to the comics and stuff. I, I really love that part where you and I just like looked at each other, like bringing in Sister Dagger, how to bring in comparing the sister. It's like, yeah, yes like, and no. They're like, but it's really cool. in the comics and we were like, oh man, that's a question. <laughs> well, here we go. <laughs> so, um. But yeah, that was really cool. Um, I had a great time doing that. Hopefully uh, working with those guys and other people over a certain POV in the future. So, uh, But yeah, that, talking about the movie itself, it was amazing. Um, just if you haven't heard our other interview, I'll give you, we'll give you our quick reviews. I think it's the best actual solo Marvel movie because yes. I don't count Winter Soldier and I don't count um, Thor Ragnarok as solo movies because they're team-ups, you know. Right, right. Um, but as far as a straight up solo movie, I think it's the best one. And yeah. it's top five overall. And wording it differently, it's my favorite Origins um, movie out of everyone. I keep forgetting that Guardians counts, I but I, even I, more I, than Guardians, that was the one that jumped out. But I see it as I see that one as like the ensemble, but it's literally everybody's origin, so I get it. So it could be maybe it's just like a close one, but 
it was just really refreshing just seeing this cast, like just seeing this movie played out. And again, like just another obscure Marvel movie that worked. And yeah, I was just so stoked for it. Yep. Um, it's nice to see Marvel, you know, continuing to put out a wide variety of characters and not just, you know, make multiple Batmans. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> I guess like where guardians is very pretty. Don't get me wrong. I do love guardians one, but I just felt so many emotions for, for Shang-Chi. But I'm like what they try to do with like just the Kung Fu genres and just like, just like the family dynamic throughout the movie. It was just, it was such a strong movie. I still say guardians two is my favorite Marvel movie. Ooh, nice. Um, right behind that would be, Winter Soldier. I love Winter Soldier. Oh, I know. And, then, and see, and that's that, that's why I love Shang Chi too. It's like you have your like your your Infinity Wars and your End Games, like the big ones, and then for like the more grounded ones, like yeah, Winter Soldier would be the the best one. And Shang Chi just it, it it holds up with like with all those. It's up there. Like those two are pretty un- pretty steady for me as the two best for me. Yeah. And then after that, it's like a quagmire of like Guardians One, Thor, Ragnarok, and Shang Chi. That's like mm-hmm. my my second tier. Yeah. So, yep. Really loved it. Anyways, uh, hopefully it continues to make a lot more money and we get a hundred of these movies. So, <laughs> yes. so we're going to talk about a little bit of comic news. The first thing is actually kind of related to comics in that today we had uh, today's PlayStation Showcase. Yes. And we got two really big announcements. We got yes. an awesome reveal that Insomniac, the same people working on <laughs> Spider-Man, are working on a Wolverine game. Oh my god. And that Dude, was so cool. Did you ever play the 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 game, oh, the, the oh movie yeah. version game? The yeah, title? that was a oh yeah. That, that was, was a great game. game. An awesome better game. Better than the movie. Oh, abs- absolutely. Even like how they kind of worked on the story and and all the addition all, all the additions for it. Yeah, I love that game. So, if they can really pull off what they did for Spider-Man 2 game with their Spider-Man game, if they can just do that for that old Wolverine game and just like amplify it that much better. Whew, that's gonna be a dope fucking game. I immediately just had to like look up where it was cheapest to buy it, and I, <laughs> I had to I had to get a PS3 copy. <laughs> nice, yeah. It's it's kind of funny. It's like um, they showed it to us. It's not gonna be ready till like 2023, which oh, I can only imagine. Yeah, but I, I remember when Spider Man came out, the first one, we were like, "Who's gonna be next?" And we were like, "Moon Knight, Daredevil, someone like that." Didn't even think about Wolverine. Did not think of like mutants at all either. <laughs> yeah, I think we're used to mutants being segregated from everybody else because of the the fox and how the movies have been going and they how they do cater yeah. for the comp from the comics and what they allow yeah but now they have the, the movies back, so they got to push them again so mm-hmm. yeah yeah it's gonna be so, so there's actually a really cool conspiracy theory that for a while the x-men books were kind of crap and people thought it was that period because they were trying to tank the x-men books so fox wouldn't care about the right <laughs> which i thought was pretty great um <laughs> Basically, everything after AVX up till Krakoa, basically, is what everybody... Yeah, it was a weird... That was like a, yeah, I, I agree. So, I liked them, but I like all X-Men books, but yeah. It was... Um, also, oh, Because like there, there, there was that Bendis run where he really just, like, fucked with a lot of shit. So, it was kind of like pick and choosing what kind of worked or not. Yeah. Because I, I liked his his Scott Revolutionist, like, kind of uncanny X-Men run over, like, the, the all-new X-Men, like, the time-displaced uh, X-Men. Yeah. Um, also, we got a second announcement shortly thereafter, where they revealed the first details for Spider-Man 2. Yes. And we got to see Peter and Miles fighting side by side. 
Now, <laughs> there's two theories here for me. First of all, you can switch between them. Yes. Like maybe like a Grand Theft Auto 5 style. That'd be awesome. Or what if you could play co-op? That'd be even so cool. That'd be so much more cool. How much fun would that be if we could play co-op online as the Spider-Man? <laughs> yeah, that'd be hella fun. That'd be so fun. Yeah. Yeah, you could have Miles. I'll let you play Miles. <laughs> you could have Miles. We, 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 the, un, the unspoken thing between us is which one's going to call Miles first. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, dude. So that that was pretty cool. So I'm really excited about that. Yeah, I, I was surprised that uh, Spider-Man 2 is moving forward with um, a symbiote storyline. I was kind of, I mean, I was waiting for it. But I wasn't sure if they're going to go for like a for like a number three or if we're just going for number two. Technically, this being the third installment anyway. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm hella stoked because there's only one Eddie Brock reference in the first game. And that's just like a little backpack find. It's like a little old Daily Bugle goodbye card yeah. from for Peter. And it's just like a little signature. So he has been around. Uh, yeah, just, but, it's, but it's Harry Venom. We saw that oh. at the end of the game. Oh, shit. Oh, that's right. The whole post-credits scene. Yeah, you're right. Like in the cubicle. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's right. The little black thing. Ooh. Okay. So my theory is it's going to be Harry Venom. And then at the end, you defeat him. The symbiote gets away and it finds Eddie Brock. Finds Eddie Brock. That's how the game ends. The whole uh, Craven being in the narrator. Oh, yeah. I would really like it if you just like constantly being hunted. Yes. Like you're just like you're on a roll. You're like, oh, I'm on a mission. And he just like somehow just pops up from a rooftop and just pounces on you. It's something like just, just to mess up deal. your game a little bit. <laughs> yeah, that'd be just that'd be really fucking cool. If you're just constantly just messing up your game. And after a while, once the, the Venom starts rolling, have both of them be lurking around any corner. Yeah. So. The next thing I wanted to talk about is very exciting, and I don't know if you found this out yet or not. The, both these two things, because they're both announced today, I'm pretty sure. Okay. Marvel Unlimited has made a huge change. I totally we forgot had, to catch up on this, so tell me. We had a teaser. Mm-hmm. I mean, Jonathan Hickman was doing something with yes. Marvel Unlimited. Something X-Men. That's all we really knew. <laughs> well... The Marvel Unlimited relaunch, which is active as of right now, introduces exclusive, quote, Infinity Comics, which is a new brand of Marvel Comics. They're full screen, high resolution, vertical comics, just like Webtoons, where it's one long scroll. Oh, nice. Designed for iPhone, designed if you read on an iPhone or a tablet. And they literally specifically said the same format as Webtoons. As of launch, there are 27 Infinity Comics available on the app, with over 100 issues planned for release by the end of 2021. Damn. The Infinity Comics feature familiar Marvel comic creators, including Jonathan Hickman, Declan Shalvey, Scotty Young, Dax Cordine, Alyssa Wong, Nathan Stockman, Kelly Thompson, Gary Dugan, Lucas Wernick, Jeffo, and many others. The series include X-Men Unlimited, Giant Size Little Marvels, Captain oh. America, something called oh oh I know what this is actually it, it comment called it's Jeff which has to be Jeff the Land Shark, <laughs> which is great. Black Widow, Amazing Fantasy, Deadpool, Shang Chi, and Venom and Carnage. These are not just digitized versions of the comics that are already out. These are new comics being made. Oh, dope. Okay. Yes. So all these are new series. Uh, there's a new Captain America series. Oh, nice. And all you need is a Marvel Unlimited account to read them. Oh, man, if only I had one. You have access to one. <laughs> I do have access to one. Yay! <laughs> um, and so, yeah, over 100 issues planned before the end of the year. So That's really fucking cool. 
Uh, along with that, I want to give credit where credit's due. Um, DC did launch on Webtoon with a with a Bat Family series. Yes, excellent. <laughs> read it, everybody. It's so much fun. I am going to read it. I just I just thought it was like the announcement. I didn't actually fully read that it was actually out. Yeah, they launched with three issues. Cool. And the first one kind of it's it's um Jace Fox like showing up at the mansion and becoming part of the Bat Family. So it's like an intro. Okay. Um, the second one is kind of like, just kind of like a family interaction thing. And the third one is told from Barbara Gordon's point of view, where her dad's like having dinner with her. He's like, what'd you do today? And she has to lie because she's Oracle. So she has to play it all down and stuff. And she's, um, it's just very funny. I really quite enjoyed it. So, um, yeah. And, uh, that's really cool. So check those both out. I'm excited about that. Marvel Unlimited is going to be a big thing. They're going to get a lot of new, uh, members and they already have a lot. So, Hmm. The last thing is something I think Josue is going to be very interested in. Ooh. And uh, you've probably seen the image, but probably didn't look into it. This was also just announced today. Uh, you've been a big fan of the series, the Black, White, and Blood series. Like, you got the Carnage one, right? I got the Carnage one, yes. They're making an Electra one. Uh, okay, that's a cool one. It's going to be a four-issue anthology series. They'll pay fan tribute to the fan favorite Electra, blah blah blah. Um this time around, creators bring to life untold so- stories from Electra's history include Charles Soule, Declan Shalvey, Leonardo Romero, and more. Here is the cover of the first issue brought to us by John Romita. Okay. Oh, into it. Yes. Yes. And yeah, dude, how that's really, really dope. And interesting timing. We'll be talking about her later today. <laughs> oh so, yeah. I uh, know that that's really cool because that, that's an original book, and I, I, it seems like with that title, "The Red, Red, and Blood," obviously I can see a Punisher one coming next um, after Elektra. But I'm glad they didn't go ex- straight up to the pun- obvious Punisher one first. Uh, cool, give me something new, and so the because mm. I kind of there was like a, the Wolverine and Deadpool one again. Those are the easy ones. I feel like I would I would have read either of them and all those mini stories. I feel like I already ha- I would ha- I would already have those uh, one shots. But an electro book, yeah, like an anthology book like that, that'd be hella fun. And that ties directly into what we were confused by with, with Chip Cesarski and Marco Cicchetto, what's going on with Daredevil and such. Mm-hmm. It looks like they're going to be doing Devil's Reign, which yeah. is going to be a big crossover surrounding Daredevil. Cool. So that makes sense when we read the next chapter in their you know story. Yeah. We were kind of wondering what that meant. So that was the other big announcement. So it'll be like, a, like, a, like an event finale? Yeah, it's going to be one of six, and it's about Kingpin basically declaring war on all the heroes in New York. Okay. And trying to get rid of them. And it'll be, again, Chichetto and Zdarsky, so. (sighs) So cool. Yeah, and we already got a cover. Oh, yeah, with the whole cast, everybody in it. Yes. Yeah, and and I'm excited to see all of the non-regulars for Chichetto. I I just love when I'm into a new artist i'm so stoked when they start when they start incorporating all the ones i haven't seen like all the marvel cast i haven't seen them do in yeah. the, their book so yeah. i like this background miles he did oh yeah like, with so. with the new suit yeah yeah that's cool so <laughs> so yeah that's the news i got do you got anything else you want to add uh no i, I totally blanked on the on the devil's reign uh announcement too so cool. Yeah, me too. I only realized because of the lecture thing. I'm like, oh, wait. <laughs> so, all right. Well, we're going to go straight into reviewing some comic books. 
so I hope you guys are excited because we are definitely very excited to talk about the books this week. We have a bunch of big surprises. Um, I have a bunch of n- number ones. Um, and yeah, a couple finales too. So let's go ahead and start with uh, a bang. No, wait, no. Let's start with a boom instead. Yeah, there you go. Start with boom, <laughs> boom studios, and we have two books for boom. I have one by myself. Hosue is the other with me. Mm-hmm. But we'll start with my solo, which is Memo Another Number Three. I cannot express to you how much this is a freaking Studio Ghibli movie in a comic book <laughs> form. Everybody should be reading this. Um, everything in this book is done by Sass Millage. So, completely created. Uh, so, once again, this is the, the world where it's a small village. The village witch passes away, and the fae around the village start creating chaos, basically. And they need a village witch to, you know, keep the peace. The village witch's granddaughter comes back because her grandma's dead, and she's like, I have no interest in being your village witch. But she meets a young girl in the village and agrees to help her at least get everything under control. And the book has basically been them bombing around fixing things. And um, it's really cool, and it's a lot of comic books will do like a, a magic based story with, with magical cues that we know, you know, stuff we've learned from the craft and shit like that. Right. Yeah. But this one is really deep into the actual like idea of magic. And it, I think they spend more time doing specific things that people actually believe that are really cool. So like the whole, um, uh, power shared is power doubled instead Ooh, okay. of power taken. Mm hmm. So like that's that's a big thing here is they she she keeps helping the other girl and the, and she the other girl keeps helping her and they realize by helping each other they're actually doubling it. So like they make they make friendship bracelets for each other out of this this herb. And uh the the girl realizes, "Oh, these are protection things and because we made them for each other, it's doubly powerful because it's a gift given freely." And it's just like this is really cool. Huh. Um and it comes with these shots that are just like this amazing Ooh, that is nice. Like, just some of the most beautiful landscape shots. And they deal with, like, different things. Like, here's, like, a a herd of sheep that are just circled and refuse to move. (laughs) And they won't let you in. Um, So once they got in there, they found a bone. They're all just staring at a bone. And you're like, what the hell? Someone needs to be buried properly and all this stuff. What we found out over the past few issues is that the, the grandmother witch, uh, wasn't buried properly basically is why everything's going crazy mm-hmm. and the the new witch girl is just like we need to figure out what's going on and she's like i wish there was someone she we could ask and then the girl who lives there is like oh let's ask the currawong she's like what and she's like the currawongs which are crows basically she's like they're birds and she's like you never spoken to birds she's like i thought you were a witch basically <laughs> <laughs> and so they go to speak the and um she walks up, she's like, I'm here to speak to Caractus. And all the crows are just like staring at her and stuff. And she's like, they start talking to her. They're like, um, why would we want to speak with you? You know, he, oh, he owes me a favor and all this stuff. And like, all right, we'll get him. And uh, we will fetch him. And this awesome dope thing happens. This giant crow shows up, flies up. Ah, oh, sick. It's wind. <laughs> yeah. Flies up, transforms into this. It is wind. <laughs> How sick it's wind, is that? It's wind's cousin. He's he's like human sized. 
So he's like talking to them, and he's basically like, again, the art of this is just absolutely gorgeous. Okay, no, that is a great design for for like a bird like spirit. Yeah, and basically they're like, he tells her, "Your grandma asked me." Oh, here's another great like big shot. Oh uh, yeah, those are great pages. Yeah, the grandma basically made him promise that when she died, he could eat the 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 meat from her bones, but her bones had to be scattered for some reason and we don't know why hmm. and so that's what they figure out and they they're like make us make us a uh, map and they start burying the bones and they're going to the last one and they realize the form the bones are in the 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 um pattern it's a fairy ring and it's a trap oh no oh. Really issue cuts off so oh, okay that's cool yeah it's really i'm really really liking this book it was one that i was like i bet this will be pretty good and it's really like stepped up in my eyes i really really enjoy this so uh, yeah uh so that is uh mamo number three now we're gonna talk about our other book from boom this is a finale and it is eve number five written by victor laval illustrated by joe myung joe myung colored by Brittany peer and letter by ann world i got this cover i got the variant too yeah, it was too perfect. Yeah, like, such a good yeah. ending. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So for a book that I don't want to say started off grim, but definitely like appeared to be grim early on. Yeah. It had a pretty optimistic ending. Yeah. And I dug that. Me too. I'm also loving the fact that we're getting a lot of stories about climate change. Yes. Because it's a big important motherfucking thing. Absolutely. <laughs> So, um, yeah, this was really, really cool. And, uh, I think this is one of the ones where we shouldn't spoil too much because it is a finale and there's right. at least one shock appearance. It, it, it's so, it's so worth it too. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's worth experiencing your own. And if you, if you haven't been keeping up, at least pick up the trade because I bet oh, this please. is going to be a beautiful trade. Please. It, it's going to be one that you want to share around. It's. It was awesome. Like this is the book that that had me crying. This is the first book I read as I was as I dove into my pile, and on the last page, I was like, because there's like, and there's um, something's alluded to, and and it doesn't get answered right away. So I thought like, oh, you know what? It can just be interpreted to um, whatever song you you want to you want to pick ahead, and then they actually say what song it is, and I couldn't contain myself. I was <laughs> just because like I could just when this song came out, I was in college in, in 2011. So I could only imagine just being in the cafeteria and then just having that moment happen. Yeah. And then going home and thinking that nothing special ever happened. And it was the most important moment in the entire, literally in the entire world. And I'm literally (laughs) getting overwhelmed again. I'm just like, fuck. (laughs) It was awesome. And then you just have like, what's that? Classical music, I think. I like it. And I was like, <laughs> again, I'm just like, dude, it was such a great, great moment for a finale. It, it made me think of just like when I was like bawling my eyes out for uh, One Good Man for Proctor Valley Road. Again, just like a oh, quick yeah. little reference on the last page. And it meant so much if you just thought about the whole scenarios and everything about the story and the characters. So, yeah, fantastic book. I absolutely loved Eve, a contender for many of the year. Such a strong book. Yeah, yeah, I really quite enjoyed it a lot. So I'm very excited because I think I, I can't remember who it was, but somebody online tweeted, 
that the end of Eve makes them really excited knowing that Victor Lavelle is going to be doing something with X-Men soon. Oh my god. And yes. The Krakoa era of X-Men with this storyteller is going to be really good. That so, would be great. <laughs> yeah, so. Loved it. It was just fantastic. Boom Studios knocking it out of the park. Who would have known? Uh, <laughs> so, Alright, next we're going to switch up gears, and I want Josue to start telling me about some Behemoth comics. All hell, Behemoth. All hell, Behemoth. <laughs> Let's start with Cinnamon number two. Okay. <laughs> Dude, cinnamon number two. If you just need a relaxing or whatever cat, book, right? this is the fucking cat one. Yeah, okay, I remember this, yeah. Uh, written, drawn, and otherwise created by Victoria Douglas. So what does Cinnamon get into this issue with? Well, her master gets her package. And this whole time, Cinnamon has been lurking, and in his alter ego, it's just <laughs> with, his own, with her own binoculars being like, just look at her, doing absolutely nothing. But menacingly, <laughs> that's the way he sees her. Ma- that's the way she sees her master while she's just like reading a book. So Ding Dong package arrive arrives, and Cinnamon sees the sinister look in her eyes and is like, "What is going to happen?" And what does she get? Again, I love how the story bounces from like just regular mundane apartment lifestyle to Cinnamon's bonkers balls to the wall story that she imagines that she's living in so that what does it matter what does her master get a laser pointer <laughs> oh boy is cinnamon doomed and in this case in this scenario uh she has like uh, the master has like an accomplice like she's imagining that she's radioing in the other enemy this rat that's up in orbit on like on a on a satellite and they're trying to trigger this giant laser and something doesn't go wrong and then we come back to the apartment, and obviously, like, uh, because like the batteries were reversed in the laser pointer, so she fixes it. <laughs> and holy shit, when the laser fires, check this out really quick. <laughs> it's Cinnamon, just like waiting to protect the her apartment, mm-hmm. her world, her city. Fucking laser, dude. <laughs> That's how she imagines <laughs> it. It is just chaos. Right. So. She shows up, or the laser shows up, and it's like this really cool, like, like ball of fire with legs, and it is just zooming. Cinnamon was the coolest, literally the coolest cat around. Not anymore. She literally loses all of her cool, just trying to chase this laser. And the way she just, again, the way she just envisions this, like this chase, this battle, is it just, it's so, it's so, it's so freaking anime. And at the end, like she's like, <laughs> there's a really cool charge up punch where Cinnamon's like, you aren't welcome here. And it's like a moment in the apartment when it's like she catches a laser on the on the floor, and she's envision, envisioning like punching through the laser. And then the next panel is just like this DBZ, like just like blow up, like just like uh, uh, gust storm. And like the and she comes like she recollect on the wreckage, and the laser's just laughing at her. Nothing's nothing's phasing her. <laughs> and then she starts like getting at at that cinnamon it's like you thought you could catch me and then she's like really kind of like getting over her and cinnamon just like realizes her destruction like she or she really just like gets like almost like super saiyan mode and charges at her one more time like just like i'll tear you limb from limb and we come back to the the mundane world and she literally just like shredded up part of the part of the couch but in her mind (laughs) she just destroyed the block that was carrying the orphanage so what does the laser do it clicks off, she leaves, as in, like, nothing happened. 
except for the destruction of the orphanage. And there's a really cool shot of like an old cell phone, a, a crayon, a, a quarter, and a, like a, a fucking bobby pin and a paper clip. That's basically the orphanage of the ca- of the couch, and they realize like the destruction. There's like a really cool moment where like Cinnamon is just like, <laughs> what did she say? She's like, what's going like what what happened? It's like I don't know. I'm just a monster. <laughs> and she's like, it's like just like really hurting herself. So that's really like she really took an L in this issue, and it's not over because the laser's still out there. And we, I think we still have one more issue. This should not be just three issues. This should just be going for forever and ever because I fucking love the story so much. I didn't think I was just gonna be cracking up on just like this cat roaming around her apartment, but like the the imagination of this of this cat is just so cool. <laughs> nice. All right. Uh, what about uh, motherfuckers? Yes, motherfuckers. MFKZ by. Uh, Guliame Run Runnerd. So again, if you've seen the movie, you know we're gonna get. You're not gonna get much, uh, much, uh, much new stuff from from this one. But again, if you like the movie and if you like the aesthetic of the movie, get it in comic form because it, it, it's just it's almost just like a slightly different experience. Just like kind of like it's almost like when, when you're reading, you're like, oh man, I kind of want to see this movie, but you have that, and then you watch the movie, and it's like, oh, I'd, I'd read that comic. You can have that too. <laughs> this is a, a a very quick issue. Um, it's basically just like just a car chase scene in the movie. Um, but it's I love that you just you do get almost like just the screenshots are almost like yeah, literally the panel per panel shot of everything kind of going. Uh, I guess that much slower as like you're taking it in, like reading it, and then you can really just take in that last scene in the ditch or the last the last part of that scene in the ditch where it just it really gets weird with like the little pocket dimension like the little pocket hole that they kind of start using uh, and that's really really where it cuts out because that's when like the rest of the people start showing up and they got to get out of there uh but they leave with that little like spot that, 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 that spidey spot that we can't fucking remember like that villain of it's literally that little black hole his name is spot by the way oh it is just spot okay yeah <laughs> thank you for reminding me <laughs> awesome all right and then you have a new book a new uh, one. A number one, Nine Stones. Nine Stones by Samuel Spano. And this is going to be interesting. It's, um, it, it's, it was a little weird at first. The, fir- the first couple of pages are, are, are awesome. It's like, we're going to flash forward. I have no idea what's going on. It's just a lot of pretty colors and shit's hitting the fan. And then we wake up to our protagonist. And for the first like third of the book, he seems almost preteen. Like, barely if that and then once you start getting to like the second half of the book you're just like oh wait these are actually maybe like a couple of 18 year olds i got it because the cover they just like we've been getting a lot of like uh gay representation books but Mm -hmm. we haven't gotten an actual like a male gay couple so i was like you know what let me give this one a shot and at first it was just like okay but in in my indie books i haven't seen one where it's just like just two guys just like figuring it out together and this one, it's really, it really is that, but it was just weird at first, just like thinking, cause it really look just the, 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 the kid basically looks like Damien. And then like the, the, the love interest does look like he's maybe a couple years older than him. But at the same time, it was still almost felt like middle school, almost high school. But, I, but then the dialogue just starts running and you're like, all right, these kids are just more like young adult kids instead. Mm-hmm. Um, and then again, like, and then you start getting, into like uh, like the second half of the book and they kind of start looking a little bit more their age it was just like that morning that that second that that first page flip and that when he just wakes up and he's just like 
he just looks very preteen. <laughs> but again, so this story is about the 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 kid who wakes up. He's he's basically the, he is the son of a mobster. I guess he got in some sort of trouble as he already was. Uh, but now he's like now he has to work for his father's um, money laundering company, and to just also work that side hustle as part part of the punishment. And that is, and the, and that is where you enter the love interest. And that, that kid, that guy is, yeah, I, I guess he's running that part, of like the, the export part of all the drugs, if you will. And there's a reference where, like, they're actually, um, selling drugs to this old lady who's been, like, a long time customer, but she's supposed to be, like, a really nice old lady. She's like, but they sell it to her, like, in these, like, detergent, like, in detergent bottle, like, bottle jugs, they slip it in there. It's like, it's, it's kind of weird. So there's already, like, bad people. When they go to a delivery, an arrival gang basically shows up and it's going to be a shootout and everybody is going to, is going to die. And they make their escape. They're, I mean, they're able to make their escape and in order to hide somewhere, they go to um, the mobster son's secret hideout spot. And this kid is just, <laughs> this kid just needs a, a someone to talk to. Nothing has something wrong with him. But damn it, does he have just like the coolest little like he calls it his haven. But there's a very um, tasteful painting of uh, two nuns on a cross. There's another one with like a demon, a skeletal demon overlooking these naked bodies in fire. And there's like these weird. Pa- it's it's just like his artistic haven. And th- and he's there to patch up the other guy. Um, and he at one point he lets it slip because like he has been kind of poking at him. Um, not not the son. The other, uh, yeah, that guy has been like just poking at him, making fun of him. He's just like the the snobby, uh, the snobby privileged uh, gangster kid who can just do whatever he wants. And then he finally like explodes on him. He's like, you know what? I'm sick of your like attitude and like kind of how hot you are and how spoiled you are or how sore you are. And he's like, wait, did you say how hot how hot I was? He's like, I also said how sore. <laughs> uh, so they kind of have like, a little moment there, but um. And that's kind of where it cuts off. They're just like they're still like in their little haven, and we'll see how they're gonna work, gonna work it out if they're even gonna go back to um, their dad's like gang or anything. But we'll still see how like the magic magic stuff is gonna come into play. It was just interesting at first. Like I really hope they don't still look like just that because they're not they're not kids. They just really look like it. Yeah. Okay. Cool. A lot from Behemoth this week. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Let's go ahead and move on to Aftershock. Um, I do have an Aftershock book this week. And it is a single book. And it's called Search for Who, H-U, number one. So just look at this cover. Yeah. It says a lot about what you need to know. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And of course, Aftershock intro page. We always talk about those. Oh, that's really red. Yeah. Uh, so written by John Sui and Steve Orlando, uh, artist is Rubin, colorist is DC Alonso, and letterer is Carlos M. Mengual. So this is about a um, a man who is I, I he's 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 at least partially Asian, but we break into his like family tree later on. And there's there's an indication of maybe a non traditionally Asian surname. So, but he, he visually he comes off as an Asian character, I believe Chinese. Um, and 
he's an, he's an Afghani war vet, and basically he comes back home and he's like, I'm sick of killing and all this stuff. He comes back home. He lives with his parents in San Gabriel, California. They run a bar and grill with Chinese and American food. And one day his parents get shot in a drive-by. And they both survive. The cops, the, the ambulance shows up and saves them. And, uh, but they're in the hospital. And the mom reveals that the who is dis- like people in her family. And they're there to kill them. Basically, um, his family is basically half Chinese, so the Hu side, and the other half is Margolis, which are Russian Jews that fled to China during the revolution. So he's like half Jewish genetically and half Chinese. And she's basically like, there's a feud between the two sides of the family and they hate each other and we're caught in the middle of it. I ran away here to the US, thought we'd get away, didn't, basically. and. Uh, he's like, well, crap, I got to process this. And while he's walking out, two guys walk past him in, in the in the um, in the hospital towards his mom's room, and they have a gun on him. Mm-hmm. And so he realizes, oh, they're here to kill her. So he stops them because he's a badass. And the cops, the cops are like, well, we're not going to arrest you because you're obviously stopping some guys with guns in a hospital. But watch yourself. And then he's like, you know what? I got to resolve this. I'm a badass soldier. I was trained how to do this. I got to go broker peace. So he flies over overseas and meets with his best friend who is a really, really hot. Uh, I believe she's Korean woman uh, who he calls MK and uh, they go to China together. And basically he's immediately thrust into the, the family feud where he walks into a, a club and he's like, I think that's two of my cousins. And the other half of the family immediately shows up and pulls guns and, it just becomes an awesome kung fu like John Woo shootout kind of thing. Yeah, and that's kind of where it, where it leads off as as that starts. So the cool thing is at the back, it's got like really good like breakdowns of each who each character is, including ones we haven't even really met yet. Ooh, okay. So you can kind of get an idea of who everything everybody is, and it also has his family tree, uh, so you can see the relation of everybody, which helped me a lot. I went back through it, and that helped me quite a bit in kind of understanding it. So. I dig this. It's going to be like a fun John Woo martial arts style thing. So nice. It was a good week for that too, with it being Shang-Chi and everything. So, mm-hmm. uh, so that was my only aftershock comic. Uh, that brings us over to IDW. And we're going to talk about Canto three, three, Canto three, three, written by David Boer and art by Drew Zucker, colors by Vittorio Stone. Letters by and world. So a good chunk of this is actually spent with our other cantos that we've <laughs> been worried about, Falco, Richta, and a few others, as they try to break into the Shrouded Man's city through the via the sewers. Uh no spoilers, doesn't work very well, <laughs> basically. <laughs> um, but it does le- lead them face to face. And I'm sure it's a decision they made that's going to count and that's going to cost Canto in the future is what we've been hinted at. So uh, Canto himself is actually out trying to find the slavers and he simply cannot find them at first. They're out in the middle of the tundra. They're told that's where they are, but there's nothing to be seen. And um, we just have some like character development as they sit and talk. And he has this crazy vision with the fury. And it's just really cool. 
long story short, uh, the ice cracks, he falls, and they do find the slavers, and they're like, explain yourself, slave, and that's where Holt cuts off. So. The Vicus. I love the design. The design. Yeah, so. Uh, so yeah, pretty cool. This was a good issue. I can't wait for the next one when he actually has to talk to them and work this out. I know, it's been a long time coming now, so, so yeah. I'm excited to see what, what's going to be exchanged, because he's just like a whole different character now. Like back then there was, he had so much to say, but didn't have like the, it wouldn't really have the words to kind of express them all, but he's been through some shit now. And now it's like, I'm excited for that conversation. Yeah, definitely. Um, anything else you want to add about that? One? Um, no, the, the whole, uh, vision sequence was really cool. Uh, talking to the fury. I, I just love that. He just keeps being tested. Like doesn't really have to, but like he has every chance or every, yeah, he, they give him chance after chance to just be like, you can just walk away and we'll give you just that. And nobody will ever fuck with you. And he's just like, nah, fuck that. Like, he's a true hero. Yeah, exactly. And part of you thinks like, you know, one of the things I think it was in the, the second volume, he was very uncomfortable with the role of hero. Right. Being like this Messiah for them. Yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of interesting to see like how he was then and how he's grown now where he's not only the hero, but like, the others come up with a plan and he's like, no, you don't understand. He's a a leader to some degree. And like whether he wants to agree, uh, agree to that or not. So now being a, being part of that role, overlooking others. um, Yeah. It's going to be a long conversation. I I, I cannot wait for this next one. Yeah. It's going to be great. All right. uh, So that's it for IDW. Not too much this week. But well, we are going to switch over to Dark Horse, not the Katy Perry song, the publisher. <laughs> Remember Dark Horse, kids? Uh, anyway, so <laughs> me neither. Uh, so the first one I'm going to talk about is the Unbelievable Unteens number two, uh, the one from the world of Black Hammer. Mm. Uh, so here's a name you're going to hear a couple times this week. Script by Jeff Lemire. Yes. Art, colors, and letters by Tyler Crook. Um so this is the one. If I don't know if you, I don't know if you remember the first issue. I was telling you about it, where it was a girl who created a comic book, kind of Umbrella Academy ish mm-hmm. uh, slash X Men, original X Men, and she finds out that she is actually one of the characters in it, and her memory's been erased, and something happened, right? Yeah. So in this one, we actually start off with one of my favorite things in comics like these style comics, the young teen comics Mm -hmm. is all of them having a training session together and goofing off and stuff. So uh, it gives you a good chance to get to know everybody. So uh, of course the main character that we met last time was Jack Sabbath. He's basically a spellcaster. He's getting, he's like, is this the end of Jack Sabbath? And then this dude shows up, Braca, who's just really strong and turns to crystal and rock. Um, and then Strobe shows up and um, saves him. Strobe's the character we know. And then uh, Kid Boom shows up and he does explosions. And then in the end, Snapdragon shows up and and fight, breaks it up because nice. she's a badass and everybody loves her. She's the one we're worried about. Uh, she's a tele- telekinetic. And she, she starts like taking it a little too seriously. Like she's doing telekinesis a little too strong. And the the one of the characters is like hey come on it's me and then she does this which is very phoenix forcey <laughs> so um and she's like oh i'm so sorry and she's like apologizing and stuff so you like so you got this art style right it's like this old school art style mm-hmm. and then we cut to the the present 
and just on the other side of the page, oh. your art completely Ooh. changes. So yeah, I was like almost like the looks like the pages are ripped. Yeah, that's that's what it is. There's a design up here, like the pages are ripped out. Oh, cool. Yeah. So this is this is Braca, the guy, the big strong guy that turns into crystal, right? Yeah. And throughout the the beginning story, he you could tell he has a crush on Strobe. And he's just like, why doesn't she like me? It was very, very <laughs> Colossus. Like, I loved it. Oh. <laughs> um, so he's working construction, living his life. And Strobe shows up. Like, just shows up at his work. And she's like, hey. And he's just like, I don't know who you are. Ma'am, you can't be up here. This is a construction site. And she kisses him on the cheek. And then this happens. Oh, whoa. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, it's a cool design. All the comics coming back. Yeah. Head. And then it cuts back again to the original art. And oh, it's I see. Them, it's the two of them hanging out, and she's just like, you know, I do like you, and they kiss and everything. And it's like, oh, and then Kid Boom doesn't like it. Kid Boom's upset. You know, typical like teen comic like drama. And then he's like, holy crap, I I can't. I I just remembered all this. This is crazy. And then she's she's like, it's good to see you again. He goes, I'm married now. I have two boys. She's like, oh, of course, I I didn't mean that. And it's like, oh <laughs> oh, this got awkward. <laughs> like, oh damn it. <laughs> So they're like, okay, now we got to get Kid Boom. And they're like, I think we know where to find him. He's worked here for the last 10 years. They show up. They run into him. His name is Carlos. And they're like, hey, Carlos, uh, you don't remember us. Of course I remember you. You're Strobe. He's like, hey, Straka. Hey, Jack. He's like, you remember? He's like, yeah. I knew you'd find us one day. He's like, wait, find us? Us? What do you mean us? I think you need to see something. And Snapdragon is in a hospital bed. Oh, damn. So the whole story behind this is like worried about because she does go, you know, Phoenix Force crazy eventually. Yeah. So what happened? I re- I'm really <laughs> liking this, actually. Makes me want to go back and really give Black Hammer a real run. Okay. I've read some, but I haven't read the whole run. But I mean, it's just really good. I've always been curious, but then it just kept getting like bigger and bigger. It kept evading. It was like, oh, shit. Like, where do I start? I literally become one of those like, where, I don't know where to start. Yep, exactly. So, yeah, really dug it. So. Uh, my other solo Dark Horse book is a number one that I found very interesting. It's called Last Flight Out. Ooh, okay. This is a number one of six. Mm-hmm. So it is a mini. Written and co-created by Mark Guggenheim. Nice. Drawn and co-created by Eduard- Eduardo Ferragato. Colored by Marcelo Costa and lettered by Diego Sanchez. Okay, so this one kind of starts off with okay. There's a guy who's an inventor, and he it's basically he's working in his um in his garage. He's working on this really cool looking engine. His wife calls him. I'm you know I'm I'm in labor. He's like, don't worry, I'll be right there. He keeps cutting through time, right? And then a couple years later, uh, when the kids were like two or three, it's him working on something in his garage. He keeps getting a call from a California Highway Patrol. He keeps declining it because he's busy. And finally, he's like, fine, what is it? And he finds out his wife and child were in a car crash and the wife died. Mm. And she was in, uh, it was kind of funny because he's like, you know, um, it involves one of your company cars and it's, um, it has a self-driving like AI that he created. And he's like, oh God, if the self-driving AI was engaged, my wife's going to be pissed. He's like, God, oh, that's the thing your wife's dead basically. Yeah. And so he's like, fuck, you know, like he's got to deal with that. He's got to hire a nanny to help raise the daughter. He's just like trying his best. You know what I mean? Yeah. Then it cuts to like 20 years later. Oh, shit. And we get this gigantic shot 
of this thing built out over the ocean. What the hell? <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. And you find out he's the architect of this thing. And they're talking about they have 24 hours to launch. It's called the Tevet Noah 3. Right? So 3. And they, um, they're like, you know, we only have 24 hours. Go or no go. Point of no return. And then we get this really cool page right here. Mm-hmm. Which is a bunch of social media posts from people. Right. That I'll just read them to you because it gives you an idea of the because it kind of hints at the tone of the book, but then this solidifies what's happening. That really sets it. Okay. Yeah. First one's from the UN Secretary General. We're less than a day to our third and final launch. All passengers should be at the staging areas in San Francisco and Beijing. And then it's a dude called Truth to Power. The Earth is not dying. This is fraud on a global historic scale. Uh huh. Next guy. Uh, construction of the arcs cost us at least 10 years we could have had on Earth. And then there's one like, if you're having trouble reaching an arc, let us know. Then one, planet death is a hoax. The Earth ain't going nowhere, so I'm going nowhere. <laughs> you get the idea, right? Yeah, like, I it's got just it. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And so basically, this is the last arc off the planet. Ooh, and okay. everybody needs to be on it. And he's the one who's been designing the arcs. There's already been two that launched. Two. Okay. And this is going to be the last one. He's the one designing them. And basically the earth has like a decade left in it and the next flight window is 60 years. So it's not, they're not going to make another one basically. Mm-hmm. And he's, he's trying to get a hold of his daughter. He finds out she's in Chicago, which is described as a no man's land at this point. Damn. Okay. And she's not answering. And he's like, listen, I need to go get her. They give him a group of badass soldiers, and it's it's literally like like a lot of action movies where it's like you know the guy with the group of soldiers, and they you know you're like, well, most of these people aren't making it. <laughs> like, oh yeah, <laughs> and so uh, they take this cool like hover jet thing. Um, they they do little things like um, they talk about how like the um, the plane's hard to control because. Uh, it's hard to catch altitude, and they're like, "Well, yeah, on account of the climate change." And then the girl flies like, according to some, and you find out she's like climate change denier. Oh, motherfucker! So, and there's also a bit where he's like, um, um, they're talking about like we're plan- banning the planet for no good reason. It's like it's a good reason. It's like says you says the experts. Truth is, you don't know for sure. Can't know for sure. We can't live here no more. And then he says, "It's that kind of thinking that got us here." Climate change isn't real. COVID-19 is just the flu. Oh, wow. I was like, ah, fuck those people. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, something happens to the plane. This dude immediately gets sucked out. And then shit just hits the fan. The plane goes down. They're able to land it. A couple of the people die. They go in. They find one of the soldiers. He's sitting there like, he's, he's, he's alive. He's just sitting there. Mm-hmm. And they're looking at him and he's like, um, I'm not going to lie to you. It's bad. You know, uh, tibula fibula compound fracture from the look. And he's like, gets worse. You see, we're not working a lot of time here. And since the jump jets food bar, which means we have to continue on foot and we can't have a man with a busted leg slowing us down. And the guy's like, you wouldn't leave me here, sir. It's dangerous out here. If anyone finds me, it'll be bad. He goes, I know that son. I'd never leave a man alone like this in these conditions. Then it cuts oh. away and you're blam. Damn. He just shot the dude. basically. Mm-hmm. So now there's out of the group, there's, four of them left basically <laughs> so this was a cool idea i really dug this it's a lot of action movies done in a comic but it's an action movie style or story that isn't done in a comic style very often 
Okay. So I dig that. Like, yeah, a lot of fun. Um, and not something I expect from Dark Horse, which I thought was pretty cool, you know? So, yeah. Next up, our final book from Dark Horse, and one I know Josue is going to want to talk about quite a bit. <laughs> um, Maze Book, number one. Yes. Script and art by Jeff Lemire, with letters by Steve Wands. Uh, man. What a trip. Yeah, right? Uh, so, you know what? I'll let you take the lead on this one. Um, I needed a new Jeff. I needed a new Jeff yeah. Lemire book, uh, and this was just perfect—an actual, full, fully original Jeff Lemire book, top to top to bottom. Damn, what a grounded book! Very sad. So, I, mm-hmm. I guess like the easiest way to describe it is, is very the Lovely Bones. Yeah, I. Sochi's just dying for me to actually watch it. Um, she actually really loves that movie. Um, story book. Uh, no, I've actually kind of avoided it. But the spoilers, I kind of like, kind of get it, but I don't know like full details. I just kind of like get the premise. So it's kind of really came off that way. Uh, and but in this case, damn it, it, just following this guy around, just seeing how sad, how distraught one can be from losing a child. It really is what this book's about. This this guy just has mm-hmm. been really been grieving his whole life of this life that he didn't get to have with his uh, deceased daughter. And the only thing that he that's and that's really the only thing that he, that he can cling on to. And little by little, because we're all flawed in our own ways, he's he's kind of just forgetting her face, and it's just slowly driving him more and more sad because he'll really have nothing else after that. As soon as she really starts fades away, um, it's what will he really have? What will he, it seems like what will what will he really be? And sure enough we get our little twist and maybe our little adventure will start, but it's, it's, it's just, it's just a very interesting, uh, it was a very interesting first issue. Yeah. Um, what did you think of it? Very stylistic, uh, mm-hmm. visually, um, reminds me of a Maria Lovett book visually. Yeah. But with a Jeff Lemire touch, you know? Oh yeah, totally. Did you, did you read, uh, Jeff's and Scott Snyder's AD after death? No, it was very like that. Not not with the like the like were a bunch of word text. This is like way more comic booky, but that style it's that, mm-hmm. that's what it reminded me of. Yeah, lots of um, absent space, empty space. You know, yes, use of negative space. Um, the colors are very almost like watercolor. Yeah, like it, it's just very stylistic and very interesting. I, I dug it a lot. It's one of those ones that I'm kind of going to need an issue or two to really figure out what. I want from it. You know what I mean? Ooh, that's good. Yeah. Like, what is this? What, what am I going to be getting here? But I like what I've seen so far, really. And then I can't, uh, yeah, honestly, I, I like what I see so far too. And this is really like his style. Like, like I'm, I'm pretty sure there's more color in sweet tooth, but it's exactly mm-hmm. how like almost like sweet tooth looks. It's just like yeah, his yeah. Jeff Lemire style. But then you get like the, the preview of the next issue. And now like I'm starting, I start, you start, I, I start getting theories and I'm like, wait, is this one of those, reverse reverse stories and i can't i i i just yeah i just need this this next issue to kind of see like where exactly we're going with this yeah definitely um i dug it oh i really did enjoy yeah no me too trippy and i have a feeling it's going to be that kind of book that just breaks us at the end oh i yeah i can imagine like um luna yeah when we read luna we're like 
I'm not sure what to think of this for like three <laughs> issues. And then by the end of it, we're like, oh my God. <laughs> like, also so, a heavy yeah. issue too. It's like an extra dollar, but it's because like you get, you do get extra pages. Oh, it's a big one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, so let's move on. We're going to talk about our next indie publisher. We're getting to the big ones now. Let's start with image. Okay, we got four books. I got two solos, so I will start with Ordinary Gods number three. Uh, cover. Uh, written by Kyle Higgins and mm-hmm. Joe Clark. Drawn by Felipe Watanabe. Colors, Frank William. Letter by Clayton Cowles. This is the one with the different, um, the different, I guess, souls or whatever that keep getting re- reborn in other people. Mm-hmm. And last time we found out the the one guy was also was Lenin or was yes. Stalin. It was Lenin. Stalin, right? Stalin, yeah, it was Stalin because yeah. He's on the cover. Yeah, yeah. Um he was Stalin in a past life and he's just like how how am I supposed to deal with this? You know, he's like a young <laughs> yeah. black kid. He's like, I was Stalin? <laughs> like Seriously. That's so it's him trying to deal with that. And there's bits where he's they're talking about like who you know like their past lives because he's with a couple other people and um they talk about how the innovator quote now is a dog you know he's reincarnated as a dog he's like that's weird and he's like well she was a llama once (laughs) it's just like it's just kind of funny like that and um yeah they're just trying to find now the cool thing is they go back to his sister which if you remember the sister killed the parents Mm -hmm. and tried to kill him well, she's being possessed by like the agent of the bad guys, and they the bad guys show up to try to kill her because she survived, and she escapes and runs away from the hospital. So she's still going to be involved, and that was cool. And then also we we actually see some eyes on the bad guys finally, and uh, get to know them a little bit. And um, the two we meet are worry and regret, hmm. and it it comes off like it's a lot of fun because like worry is like the very first thing, no regret. The very first thing regret says is my apologizes for not what my apologies for not welcoming you in person. How rude of me. So immediately is expressing regret and stuff. So <laughs> they literally embody what they are and stuff like that. So it's just really cool. I'm really digging this. I think it's going to be really cool world building, especially like, I think they're going to build a really fascinating world. And then the tease at the end is basically like, here's three of our um, finest warriors. Let's send them to earth, you know, to do what needs to be done. And then they send them. And what do they do? They send these people. And then it's this double page shot of all these women giving birth. Ooh, okay. Cause they have to be born into the world. Uh-huh. So it's all these babies with glowing eyes. Oh, Oh yeah. damn. So pretty cool. I'm really digging it. So, um, yeah. Uh, Lots of fun, lots of cool action. Again, I think the world building is going to be amazing in the end. It's the big <laughs> thing. So, All right, that brings us to The Six Sidekicks of Trigger Keaton, one of my highlights <laughs> every time. God, I love this book. I'm so glad I picked it up on, on a whim. <laughs> um, so, written by Kyle Starks, drawn by Chris Schweizer, colored by Liz Treischweizer, and edited by, by John Moisan. Um, okay. So, five of the sidekicks are working together. Everybody except the last sidekick. Now, you might remember in every issue, it always opens up with one of the shows Trigger Keaton was on with one of his sidekicks. Right. It always shows a clip of the show and then shows what happened backstage. (laughs) 
and how shitty he is. This one is a show called Frankenstein and Frankenstein, where he is this dude. Um, I, I gather he was the original Dr. Frankenstein who was actually frozen. And his crime-fighting partner is the actual Frankenstein monster. <laughs> it looks like that. Okay. And it's literally like a crime-fighting show where they're just like, they learn a lesson every week, and they're just <laughs> like, of course, that's the bad guy. And then they call each other Frankenstein. It's ridiculous. I love it. And then it goes backstage, and you find out that, that uh, Trigger fucked the dude's wife. Oh my he, god. He's like, you kidding me with my wife? He's like, who's the big man now? <laughs> he's like, I'll tell you who she said was the biggest. He's like, I'll fucking kill you. <laughs> Jeez. So he's a piece of shit. Um, so they're all, they basically all assume that's the guy that actually killed Trigger. Okay. And so they're trying to find out. And Terry, um, the big, boisterous uh, guy who thinks he's in charge, but is actually awful. Mm-hmm. Um, of the sidekicks he's like here's the plan he's like they have to get on this movie set and they um they're banned from the movie set and so um he's like here's the plan he's like uh allison the badass chick that can fight she's gonna make us fake ids and she's like skippy you're gonna be you're gonna rent a limo and you know and all this stuff. he's like i'm gonna pretend to be a, a film director and all this stuff and it, so he comes up with this plan and then skippy's like well i can't afford a limo and then she's then he like looks at the fake IDs and Allison drew them, like hand drew them. Oh shit. And she's like, turns out I'm apparently not good at anything that isn't fighting. <laughs> like, <laughs> and then like the foreign film he was gonna pretend is his is basically a gay porn. Like it's just it's just funny as hell. So they're managed to get in. Uh Allison spends the entire book just fighting a bunch of uh, stuntmen because there's a stuntman war going on, of course. Um, they managed to talk to the sidekick dude, Richard, and he actually is a really nice guy. And he talks about his wife and stuff. And he's like, he's like, they're like, you threatened to kill him after he slept with your wife and ruined your marriage. He's like, he slept with my wife, but he didn't ruin my marriage. And he's like, that was, that was ruined beforehand. She had her demons and he took advantage of them. Uh, because of that, she didn't have a leg to stand on in the divorce. It was hard on her. That's why she killed herself. He's like, I didn't kill Trigger Keenan, but I'm glad as hell he's dead. And then he's like, oh. I suppose I need to pray on that. Like, it's just really he's adorable. I love <laughs> Damn. him. And then they're all finally together, and they get a text message. Come to Studio 27 tonight if you want to find out who killed Trigger Keaton. So, oh. Yeah, so I love this book. It's so much fun. Yeah, no, I got hella real there. Shit. Absolutely ludicrous. I love it. Ugh. But yeah, it's definitely the one with the least amount of Trigger Keaton zingers, which has been the highlight. So, mm-hmm. um, yep. All right, next book is a finale question mark. Ooh. Uh, Helm Greycastle number four. Written by Henry Barajas. Uh, co-created and or co-created and written by Henry Barajas. Colored and co-created by Brian Valenza. Penciled by Ramat Handoko. Uh, lettered by Dan Lapierre. And I think that's it. Yeah, there's like 20 names here. So um, once again, I'll get to it before now and not the end there's another adventure for a tabletop game on this one that you can play this mm-hmm. one's really cool it comes with a lot of maps and stuff so yeah so yeah we're in uh azteca and we discovered that hernan cortez has taken over montezuma and um is trying to impose his christian ways upon the aztec yep 
And we get some more detail here as to why everybody thinks that Helm is Coyote, which he is actually Coyote. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and yeah, we just get this really cool book with lots of fighting and lots of um, like wrapping up of the story. We get a lot, a lot of origin stuff revealed for some of the characters. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the things about this book, the, the only thing that always trips me up about this book, there's a lot of characters in it. Oh yeah, it's very, it's very packed. So it takes a minute where I'm like, okay, wait, okay, oh, oh yeah, that one, like that person, yeah. Well, it doesn't, it doesn't help that like all the like, like the Aztec armor looks like very similar between one another. So it's kind of like, wait, it's only until like they refer to each other mm-hmm. by name that really helps it out. It does help that some of them are fantasy characters. Oh yeah. Oh, so the Elven Bard is the Elven Bard. You know what I mean? <laughs> like that one doesn't get mixed up. The dwarf, the dwarf, fully decked out in Aztec. He was so adorable. <laughs> I love it. I love the little dragon dude. He was awesome too. Yeah, yeah. I, I love the bard. Bard was probably my favorite in this issue. This is the first time we really got to see the bard like do it, like do it to it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's really cool. It wraps up the story pretty well. Um, they have this awesome fight. Some pirate skeletons show up. <laughs> like all yeah. of going down. It's a lot of fun. Um, and then yeah, it basically just wraps up and. I we're gonna get more of this, right? Yeah, I mean, like it was the end question mark. You, you don't end a a, a, a story un- unless that's the fucked up ending that the Spanish Armada just s- still ended up showing up, and that was that. So, damn. But yeah. if we get more from if <laughs> we get more <laughs> a little bit of a doubter, right? So, um, but if we get more to kind of go around that, that'd be hella cool. Because I was really wondering, it's like, all right, so you're just getting this D and D crew, and then you're just you're, you're throwing you're throwing in this like this this Asta campaign, all right. But like, what is it really offering here? And then you we find out that Helm that Helm Grey Castle was also, I guess, part of Mexican. Is like, oh fuck yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, did you read the preview at the end? By the way, for uh-huh. Mercy, there's like a four page preview for another book that looks it's Peruvian. So that'd be Ooh. the Incas. No, I, I didn't. I didn't skim through it. I, I didn't go through it. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I'm I'm liking this so far. But yeah, yeah, Peru is Inca. I think, or is that no? That's Chile. Like, I'd have to look into it. Inca, wait, but, but the Inca is definitely the more the south, the most South American one. Yeah, yeah. So little preview. That's a really smart preview because if you've been really liking Home Great Castle, mm-hmm. see another one from the South American culture. That's a great place to put it to promote it. So yeah, I'm curious about that. We'll look. I'm probably going to look into that. So I like the art a lot. So, but yeah, good stuff. Yeah, definitely like it too. Now, Josue. Yes. Our next book is a book that you. Did not review last time because you didn't buy it. Right. But, but you I ended did. up getting it later. Yes. Um, so that book is The Me You Love in the Dark. Now, whenever you pick up a book after me, I usually give you a chance to review number one. Uh, but before you do, I have a little small story. Ooh, okay. I went to the store to pick up my comics. I grabbed The Me You Love in the Dark off the wall, paid for it. I went to my next comic book store. I'm looking there, and I'm looking, and I see two covers for the Me You Love in the Dark. And I realize one is the second printing of issue one, and I'm like, which one did I pick up at my first store? It's out in the car. I don't know. (laughs) And I was like, I think I picked up the black and white cover, (gasps) which is the reprint of number one. Okay. I better pick up the other one, and thank God I did, because I wouldn't have been able to review this book. (laughs) Oh my god, dude. (laughs) (laughs) So... It was just like an instinct that I was like, wait a minute. So uh, so real quick, we'll do the creative team and then I'll let you go. 
uh, written by Scotty Young, art by uh, Jorge Corona, colors by Jean-Francois Berlou, and letter by Nate Picos of Blambot. Josue, tell me, what did you think? You can just review the whole thing as a whole <laughs> if you want. Of the me you love in the dark. Honestly, I really enjoyed it. Like I, I love those stories, like those, like the big open house, like the big open, scary, ominous house, and the one single person, or usually sometimes a pair or something, but the lone person in the set house, and how creepy that can be. But it's how much. But at the same time, it's just like if, if you're just kind of a loner, it's like it's sometimes it's so welcoming to just be in the dark. I got, I, I fucking love just like throwing off the lights and just like being one with the abyss i, I fucking love it <laughs> I, I like that's really like the my my no lights i need all complete darkness in order to go to sleep i just i just welcome it so the fact that, that was almost like a premise about this game about this game about this book as part of the title once the creep factor started sinking in once the house started talking back oh man and especially because it wasn't just like I'm the ghost or get out, but you can't yeah. leave. It was no, like, it, hey. <laughs> it was a, it was a conversation. Yeah. So, and then, now, and now we actually get more into the conversation with number two. And I was really stoked for number two, like seeing the cover, seeing that face. Cause we only got like the, the bubbles. We couldn't really see what was there. What was lingering. You only got to see like a shadow, the corners of a shadow. Where you kind of take an arm or the legs kind of standing, kind of facing away. It was a really cool shadow play. And now with him on the, with this thing on the cover, it's like, all right, cool. Let's get into it. And it's a conversation and it's a, it's, it's a almost, it's almost a love story, right? <laughs> it's almost the shape of water. Ooh. Uh-huh. And I'm like, I'm here for this. <laughs> like, I think <laughs> like I really, I'm really enjoying it. Um, it does seem like it's something that was lonely. You yeah, know, and is happy she's there, and happy she's talking to it, and it's given her what she wants, which is that inspiration, that co- the artistic inspiration, which is cool. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, um, I love the scene in the morning where they're just like kind of talking. It's like, oh, I, I kind of want more tea, and it's like, oh, I, I can get it for you, but then he kind of also requests that it's better. It would be better if it's like more dark, so he kind of gains that power. And then you just see the hands like pouring, like with the with the kettle and pouring and pouring the tea. It's like, ooh, like what is there? And spoiler, not spoilers. You'll only know what it looks like if you've been reading uh, with us, Strange Academy. Because fuck that this painting, that painting. Like when he's like, oh, is, is that how you see me? He's like, yeah. Like what do you think? I believe you may. Have, I believe you may have found your something, and it is beautiful. And at first, you get to see you get to see the panel that's on the cover, and like, oh, okay, that's, there's the eye, there's the face, and you turn the page, and you're like, what a reveal! Oh fuck! <laughs> yes, I am all in, baby. Yeah, dude, so good. Like, it's cool to see Scotty Young do something this creepy. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, totally. And and I like that he's writing it, not mm-hmm. drawing it, because. Obviously, I don't know if his art would work for something like this. So. Probably not. Um, did, uh, Jorge Corona did one of the storyteller books for Boom, by the way. I don't remember which one. Oh, no shit. Cool. Yeah, and he did Middle West with with Scotty Young, too. So. Oh, okay. But yeah, dude, this is super dope. I really, really enjoyed it. I'm so glad you're on board now. Oh, I'm so on board with this book. Everybody should be reading it. If you need like a good little quaint horror book, that you, <laughs> the the me you love in the dark. And just by the title alone, I just I'm, I just love it so much. Oh, yeah. 
right, now we're going to switch over to Vault. And the first book is Josue's book alone, because I could not find a copy of Witchblood 6. But before we get to that, Josue, I bought a variant cover for a book that's already out. Ooh, what'd um, you get? I got an undressed Tim Seeley cover for Barbaric number three. Oh, nice. Are you ready? Yeah. It's the barbarian. He took a shit on a monster's head. <laughs> old shitting hole. And it's undre- it's undressed because you see a little bit of shaft. A little bit of there. A little bit of chub there. <laughs> <laughs> I just saw, I was like, barbaric had one? And I was like, maybe it's the sexy chick again. No, it's not. It's funny, though. <laughs> I love it. Uh, but yeah, it's Tim Seeley. So thanks, Tim. Love that. Uh, I just had to show you that before we move on. So, all right, tell me about which blood number six. Oh, bro, you gotta, you gotta find this issue. This is a really cool issue, like a great culmination of the last five issues. Like every single party comes into play here. It's not just like touching here and there. Is this a finale? Uh, no, I don't think so. No, it's not a finale. It's gonna keep going. Uh, but oh, thank you, Public Post. Um, but it is almost like the first big battle between everybody coming together. Like those vampires or that that hierarchy vampire that kind of came into play in the last issue that were kind of dwelling in the, in the clouds. Mm-hmm. There's a great moment of like the, the lady, the lady that showed up and she's kind of touching base back at uh, back up there. And there's a great sequence of like, basically like there's like a group of vampires, like all up in the bed. It's not sexual, but they're all talking in unison. Like they're, it's almost like in a hive mind. And they're all talking to the, to the vampire lady from the last, from the last issue that, yeah, basically like those those uh, those runaway vampires that are chasing like the all the the fairy blood, all the magic blood. They gotta go. Like they're they're causing too much trouble, even for for their side like that. And also because like the leader, uh, he's just like too bent on like continuing this mission that he could probably kill this hierarchy now. So I was like, yeah, just get rid of him. And as they leave, oh, as she leaves, as they're as they are dismissing her, I think all the vampires just die because then it's just like everybody's like blood just like just comes up and just like goes up into like the ceiling to something as in like they just like it was almost like a sacrifice it was it was, it was crazy it was really really cool um so yeah so that's that's the vampire's mission we get a backstory on yana i won't elaborate because it's a really cool sequence on maybe how she got her mm-hmm. eternal powers uh they've all been eternal but this one seems like it was just like more important because it does come into play when she remember when she kind of like unleashes it's just like she just like kind of goes really awesome yeah um but yeah and then we kind of and then everybody kind of confronts the everybody is able to make it or to uh, catch up to those uh, those renegade vampires and they get their first w basically like or they've, they've been kind of getting like they've been getting their kills but they finally got their first big w and the the leader can um i guess the only spoiler i can really say here is that he can fly now so it's uh holy shit <laughs> <laughs> it was just like it was just something that was like a, it was it almost felt like a big event that it was like should have came down like a few issues from now like so like something to build up from this but it didn't feel convoluted it didn't feel rushed it was just like it felt awesome it just it was really cool to just get all of this in on the sixth issue so i was a big fan of this one nice i'll have to pick it up yeah it's just i always have trouble finding that one oh damn i don't know why so uh, i'm sorry did we say creative team on this one i did not Okay, uh, Witch Blood, by, created by Matthew Ehrman and Lisa Searle, colors by uh, Gia Contreras, and lettered by Aaron World. Lisa Searle being the artist. Nice. All right, uh, so we're going to move on to another vault book. This is the number one, and 
I heard no hype about this book. Right? They, at usually, all. they usually push their new books. And yeah, I, there really wasn't a buzz for this one. Maybe I missed it, but I'm glad I grabbed it. Um, Dead Box, number one. Yes. Vault, obviously, written by Mark Russell, drawn by Benjamin Tiesma, colorist Vladimir Popov, and lettered by Ann World. Um, so yes, Dead Box is a play on Red Box. It's very much the Red Box in every way and show stuff. So, long story short, um, there's a young woman running the local like store, and there is what they call the Dead Box, and it's like a Red Box, but all these movies on here, no one's even ever heard of them ever before. Yeah, but this family or this uh, town is so out in the middle of nowhere. They want some kind of like entertainment whatsoever, so they you know get movies from the dead box. Uh, you find out the girl that her father is sick, and she's basically watching the shop until he quote recovers, which you basically hear until he dies, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's bored, and she decides to watch one of the movies, and it's the Lonely Planet, and we basically get the story of the movie. And it's it's both fascinating, but also like so shitty B movie that I love it. It's 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 a Twilight Zone movie, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a really good way to look at it, and it's really cool. Um, we won't dig too much into it, but it's a really cool story, and it's got a really dark ass twist at the end. Yeah. That's just, and it's not what I thought it'd be. I had a couple theories of what the twist would be at the end, and that it was not that at all. <laughs> and I was like, holy shit. Um, and so she's watching it and then her, you know, her father starts, you know, he, he's starting to get hurt and she goes into checking on, checking on him, gives him some pills and you get one look at him and he's just wasted away. It's like a, almost a husk. Yeah. And you find out that he'd been watching one of the DVDs called the vanishing man. So the whole thing is, is like the, the movies they read are quote, a curse we place upon ourselves. So, and this is all takes place in a town called Lost Turkey. Great name. <laughs> and this was really cool. It caught me off guard. Like I said, I didn't hear any hype about it, but I really dig it. I like the anthology feel of it. Like they can make yes. it an anthology story without making an anthology story. Right. But it's still like somehow like still interconnected. Um, it definitely gave me this uh, like Twilight Zone vibes meets uh, Welcome to Night Vale podcast. Yeah. Just because like the, the setting and just like how eerie it is and how just like different with like these like stories about themselves in a in a way really cool book i, I was I, I, as i was reading i was like this is just fucking different from Bolt. like i was yeah like to finally get an, an anthology book from them and then like again but in a very very vault fashion it's almost like storytellers actually yeah a little bit yeah like it's gonna feel like that a bit like where you have a central character and they have an arc and something's happening but the big thing is the story's being told mm-hmm. so, yeah I like that. So. Even like uh, like silver coin, like there's like, there's like one oh, yeah, thing kind of connecting yeah. it. Yep. All right, that brings us to our last vault book, which is the last book you'll ever read, number two. So I got this cover. You got one of the naughty covers. I couldn't. I couldn't get one. Of course, I did. I couldn't see one, so I couldn't. I couldn't decide on it. Let me get it. The naughty cover I got. Liz is like, well, that one's basically porn. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it is. It's just basically oh my porn, God. which, which I'm, you know, I like porn, so that's fine. Uh, so, the last book you'll ever read, 
written by Colin Bunn, drawn by Leila Lays, colored by Giada Marchisio, and also Vlad Popov, and letter by Jim Campbell. So this is the one about the, the woman who writes the book about how men are actually savage at heart, and we're all losing control, and coincidentally enough, that starts happening when people read her book, or in some cases, when they listen to her book. Mm-hmm. And um, she hires this our main character, he's her new bodyguard, to make sure people don't kill her, because when they read her books, they go crazy, <laughs> so she would probably need some, some um, protection. And so she hires him, and she refuses to put off the book signing tour, even though there's a bunch of danger all around. And she keeps flirting with him and throwing herself at him. And he's like, yes, this is inappropriate. I don't think we should do this. And then in the end, some guys are about to attack her. He beats them up. And he gets all charged up. And she's like, you know, like, basically, he's all like, you you got the adrenaline running and everything. And they start making out. And they end up having sex. And that's where the issue ends. Um, I, I love this. I can't wait to see where this is going. Is she aware of what she's doing? Is she doing it intentionally? Is it her? Is it the book? Like, you know, like, what if it's not the book? What if the book is perfectly fine, but it's her doing it? You know what I mean? Like, right. Uh, it's so cool. And it's got a really cool dread to it. I know. I, I, at this point, Rocky, it, like <laughs> at this point, him just like just going full at her, and she's going to cause him to now read the book. Or just like now, you made a connection, like a more stronger connection. This guy's doomed. <laughs> yeah, I'm really, really liking it though. It's it's so so much dread. Yeah, it's just like oh god, no, like <laughs> yeah. So really, really digging that. Um, loving that from Vault. Is that a Nightfall? I didn't check. Uh, yes. Okay. Cool. Yeah, I was wondering, uh, actually, when I read Dead Box, I was like four pages in, mm-hmm. and then I stopped and turned back to the cover and be like, is this Nightfall? <laughs> <laughs> it felt like it was going to be Nightfall. <laughs> like, so. Oh, it is, yeah. Yeah, nice. All right, so that's it for our indies. We're going to talk about The Big Two. Yes. Um, and we're going to start with DC, as we always do. Now, Josue has a light DC week. I have a couple solos. Um, actually, Josue has a couple solos, too. Um, so what we're going to do is we're going to kind of alternate a little bit. Uh, I have more, so I'm going to have a little... Well, you'll see. We'll have a pattern. Uh, so <laughs> first up, Infinite Frontier number six. Oh, nice. The finale? It is the finale, and I did not know that until I read this. Uh, <laughs> written by Joshua Williamson. Art is by Zermanico. Colored by Ro- Romulo Fajardo Jr. Letter by Tom Napolitano. Um, so yeah, when we left off Dark Side, it showed up. Oh, yeah. He had Roy as a Black Lantern and called him his Omega Lantern. Oh, yeah. And all the good guys and bad guys are fighting. We get a bit of a thing. Oh, and the entire time, um, the Flash is running. Barry Allen's just running. And Psycho Pirate's in his head. He's been running this entire series. uh, Powering the machine they need to punch through reality, basically. So we get this immediately. We get this dialogue from Darkseid that's really interesting. He says, the quintessence, which is all like the big powerful dudes. Yeah. Witness my rebirth when the multiverse was to, was restored. All my past versions combined into one ultimate version. So he's all dark sides combined. Oh, shit. Yeah. And he said, they tried to imprison me here, but I killed them, basically. He's like, for eons, I sought to control the multiverse with the anti-life equation. Uh-huh. But here I found something more powerful, which is the Omega Lantern, which is Roy. Is basically once once Flash cracks through our multiverse, I will have access to a world 
uh, to a door to what is beyond. And he's like, I can control the greatest force in any and all multiverses. So that's a teaser for what's coming up in a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, Obsidian and Jade attack Darkseid. They're, they're attacking him. And Obsidian gets Roy aside. And he's like, listen, I was born to the darkness. I was wonder, wonder why Obsidian's saying. He's like, I know it now so I can help other people find their way through it. You're never alone, Roy. And Roy says, thank you. And so Roy starts to come back into his own. Mm. Um, the only thing I don't like about this book is I just can't stand Flashpoint Batman. Uh-huh. And he's just all over this issue. Okay. And I'm just like, just kill him. I don't care. There's this part where he's like, okay, we read the Tom King Batman. And I like Tom King. Yeah. I just really didn't like his Batman run. I've liked pretty much everything else I've ever read of his, actually. Yeah, honestly, um, me too, basically. Yeah. So he's fighting Chrome Dome, who's a bad guy. And he's just like fighting him. And he's just like, it's all your fault. The Flashpoint universe, blah, 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 blah. And then he knocks down Flashpoint Batman, who's like, Starts getting up. He's like, Dick, Jason, Tim, Stephanie, Cass, Duke, Damien. He's like, what are you wearing? He's like, those are the names of my son's children. And I failed them before. I might not matter, but they do. And I'll do everything in my power to protect them. And I'm like, I'm reading Robin right now where Damien is broken because you killed Alfred. It's too soon for me to, for you to try to make me feel bad for Flashpoint Batman. Yeah. Too fucking soon. That, yeah, that's so true. Yeah. I, I don't want him being like, I'll do this for Damien. And Damien's just like talking to a ghost version of Alfred because he's too broken inside. <laughs> like, yeah, honestly, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, that that really bothered me. I was like, I, I don't like this. I don't like this character at all. So, um, but I mean, and I don't blame the writer for that. You mm. know, I, I think it's just a bad like structural choice for this right so which i don't know how much was even his decision so (laughs) um big explosion happens i'm trying to make it simple roy is back without the ring and fully alive okay um so now he's red x (laughs) we'll get to that what oh my god (laughs) no you'll see basically they're like oh we start and then Darkseid's like, we're all doomed now. The wrong, the ring has gone quiet. Flash is gone. The crack is lost. The Omniverse has been taken from me. And then he's like, you failed me, Psycho Pirate. And Psycho Pirate teleports away. He goes, I'm needing another event because Psycho Pirate breaks the fourth wall at the time. Okay. So, that, that's pretty funny. Um, Machine Head tries to attack Darkseid and this happens. Ooh. Darkseid just wastes him. Um... Everybody else attacks them. They're all teleported back to their own, back to their base and everything like that. And everything seems like it's all okay. And um, Roy's like, I'm going to go find my daughter. And he says, you know, basically like, um, oh, no, uh, the girl asks, are you going to go find your daughter? He says, that's priority number one for sure. But when the Black Lantern ring took over, I saw everything I love pulled away into the dark. It made me confront what I've been really feeling. I was so or what I was so afraid of missing. I wasn't taking my shot, but it's time. Ready? Time to get back to living. Ooh! Oh, That's Titan Tower! Oh shit! Yeah. Oh damn! So he wasn't Red X, I don't think, because he wasn't there at the time. Right. Well, unless this was like this book was happening before the events. Yeah. Exactly. So, and then we get basically a tease of Dark Side. 
and he's got all these bad guys with him and he's like you know he does this whole thing he's like earth omega which is the world they all have this fight on isn't was never a world it's a it's a piece of arresting enemy dormant since the first crisis and now it wakes and you see all these enemies so you, you see like dark side's evil little family like Ooh, okay. and all them yeah which, by the way, side note, is why Darkseid is never as cool as Thanos, because Darkseid's minions are so much lamer than Thanos' minions. <laughs> like, you have, like, Ebony Maw versus Granny Goodness. <laughs> like, it's just yeah. really lame. Uh, anyways. But yeah, you see a bunch of them, like, and then you see the Black Lantern uh, oh, rising, and that's, I, I'm guessing, I think that's Necron right there. It looks like it, yeah. Yeah, and so he's like, you know, we'll find the Flash and, and the crack in the Omniverse. I'm not the only one who seeks this power, but only I will control the great darkness bro damn and then it ends with barry who was running the entire time yeah he's running still and he's like psycho pirate oh, he tricked me i need to warn everybody but first i need to stop running and he stops and he comes to stop and goes oh dang where am i he's like this place i've been here before when i died i remember where he goes this is multiverse 2 Oh what? He ran to a different multiverse. Oh, you stupid asshole! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then uh, Pariah shows up. Uh huh. Touches Barry, eradicates his head, and then you see this last panel. Yeah. The art style changes. Oh yeah. And suddenly, we're the Flash family again. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. And it's left at that. Oh, and damn. This, and then it says, we'll be continuing to 2022. And I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Bastards. <laughs> oh, multiverse 2. God damn. Okay. Well, and, and, and Darkseid kept talking about the Omniverse, which is all the multiverses. That's true. So that's what he was trying to do anyways, was get there. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Oh, damn. Okay. Well, that's cool. Combining all Darksides into one. The ra- 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 way to raise the stakes. Yeah. Now in an Omniverse, a Multiverse 2, like, alright, DC, good move. <laughs> uh, I think the most exo- the thing I'm most stoked for is uh, seeing Roy, uh, hopefully in the Teen Titans, Teen Titans Academy. Mm-hmm. Actually, like, there's an ad on some of these books for a new Teen Titans book, too, right? Yes. Um, Where it was so, just basically the Titans? Um, it's a mini, though. Uh-huh. But it looks cool. It's got yeah. Hawk and Dove and stuff, so mm-hmm. I think it'll be more historical than anything else. Okay. Because of Hawk and Dove. Yeah. They're yeah. not really Titans right now, so yeah. But yeah, that's cool. I, I'm really excited about it. So uh next up, let's talk about Josue telling me about Nice House on the Lake number four. Number four. Yeah. Book four. Uh writer James ja- James. <laughs> James Tynan <laughs> the fourth. <laughs> Artist and cover by Alvaro Martinez Bueno, uh, colors by Jordi Belair, and lettering by uh, Anne World. So, in this one, I always forget who's, uh, whose role is what now, just because uh, we're all just trying to survive here. But I like how every pay- every book has basically been opening with a different friend from Walter's, and basically how they ended up meeting Walter, how Walter impacted their life. While their setup is like in this super flash forward they're kind of like in this like survival getup, and but they're still reminiscing walter for some reason even though when we come back to the nice house on the lake title drop um everybody's like what the fuck did walter do this like why did why did he do this like what the fuck so 
in this case, it's kind of like like the funny guy that's just like that's in the house that's trying to ease attention with jokes that sometimes aren't really appropriate because everybody's still freaking out about the world dying. So, in this chapter, what we find out is that so we find out that one of the one of the one of the friends has been going around the invisible wall perimeter to see how far they can go or what's around in their perimeter. There's a weird black building um, with potentially people inside. Um, there's still like those other, there's, and then there's other, there's other figures that there's like the one that you specifically touch and you can kind of, you can see the front of your house currently, basically everybody that's dead in front of your house. So if you wanted an update on, on home on this, in this, finally in this chapter, we're like a month in uh, surviving in this house and on this, in this guy's room, he basically has like a bunch of cool, cool, cool ass shit. Like he's got instruments, he's got a space suit, he's got a monkey in a space suit. He <laughs> he has um he has uh you can on the floor you can see the the first the first and the first issues of Action Comics and Detective Comics, like the originals. Um yeah, like I said, a bunch of guitars, uh VRs, anything anybody could ever want, right? Of like materialistic uh man cave styles. What you find out is that because there was all there was a delivery system like the food's not running out, but in this case they start they start they are calling it out that there's kind of a panic because the pantry's kind of getting getting a little light. You find out that if you just write a note of what you need, it just gets delivered the next day, and then they say and it took us a week a week later that we can each individually make our own request whenever we wanted, um, and that, and that's kind of what the guy. You get you get these info pages on everybody's like list, and the and you, you get that 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 dude's list, and he got he asked for the original uh, first issues of the action for the first appearances of Superman, Batman, and um, and Wonder Woman. That, that on that page, I couldn't find the the Wonder Woman issue. You can just see the you can just see the original um, covers for the the other two. Um, and throughout the whole and throughout the whole time, one of the people in the house they have just like not really spoken. They haven't really come out of the room. And they're really down because they keep asking for the same thing over and over again, and they keep not, and she just keeps not getting it. Meanwhile, everybody else keeps getting their stuff, and they keep and they keep telling her, "It's like, oh, are you sure you're writing it right? Yeah, but you have to make sure it's very specific." Um, I the other person like, I go by brand just to be sure. And you see an info page, an info page like this again. That guy just like literally asking for everything and down to the T. And then we get the info page for that person, uh, the person who's just like really depressed right now. And she's been asking for basically her family members back, like Cam, her husband. Uh, then does, uh, the next day, as Cameron, since it's more specific, the next day, Cameron, Mike, Cameron, Cameron, Michael Reynolds. The next day, Cameron, Michael Reynolds. My husband, Cameron Reynolds. My husband, Cameron Reynolds, alive. And it just keeps going over. And then she starts asking for other family members, and you just think like, oh fuck, okay, maybe that's why they're not coming. Maybe that's why Walter isn't granting these uh, deliveries because it doesn't work that way. And then after. From day eight, uh, from day twenty-two, so yeah, fourteen days later, like yeah, two weeks later, she starts asking for objects to potentially harm herself, and and also why they're not, she's not getting her deliveries, because why why would Walter why would Walter want to harm her friend, and this gets to the guy, the jokey guy, and so that night he asks for a straight razor. And sure enough, because I guess maybe his intentions aren't there. And when he picks it up, when he picks up deliveries the next day, right before he goes back, right before he goes inside, back inside, he looks out, and that weird distorted form of Walter looks back at him. <laughs> 
and he and he even just uh, and the guy just like kind of just like maybe talks to himself maybe calls out to walter you know you could have told us the rules man and like this like this weird distorted maybe smiling face from this walter as as the guy goes back inside so he gives everybody the their their delivery he goes to see like the the other friend and gives her the straight razor and they have a moment um he has a he has actually a really nice moment on like to kind of like maybe to to actually do steer her away from maybe harming herself and then we cut to dinner for that night and the friend is behind the jokey guy and the jokey guy's arms are just covered in blood as he's holding the the straight razor and he gives a speech that may on uh, basically kind of like uncovering a little bit more on Walter and he ends up running the straight razor through his neck and he reveals that they can't die he literally basically like their blood goes everywhere but then i think it just sews back up it's like we can't die he won't let us so we need to learn how to live so there's something here towards like what walter tried to do like maybe potentially saving these people in this immortality maybe answering why we get these like prompts in the beginning of it of each issue as like maybe they've made their escape but you can definitely tell it's like been some time where this is like a flash forward again like them and their survival gear so it's kind of like are they these weird te- last 10 immortals around the earth so it's just weird it's just so weird to call this a dc book but it's, it's like a black label book it would be a vertigo book if it was around but for this to be coming out of dc is just like very weird and very different but i like it yeah definitely <laughs> All right, I'm going to talk about two books that are directly related to each other next. Green Lantern number six mm-hmm. and Green Lantern Annual 2021. Ooh, okay. Green Lantern number six is... Uh, it's a two-part story, as it has been lately. Uh, written by Jeffrey Thorne. Art by Marco Santucci on the first half. Tom Rainey on the second half. Michael Otea as coloring. And Simon Bolin as the lettering. Um, so last issue, we saw that Teen Lantern... Uh, freaked out, went and attacked uh, the Sinestra Corps home planet, Corridor. And she got captured, basically. Um, well, now Joe, uh, Joe Mullen, the only Green Lantern with a working ring at the moment, um, and Simon uh, Baz, who is using a robot body that she powers with her ring, they go to New Corridor and they sit and talk to, talk to Sinestra about it and be like, hey, you know, we need her back, and he's just prodding her for information, trying to figure out what happened. And he tells her straight up, "I'm not. I wasn't involved in what happened." Basically, um, he's like, "If if I had done it, I basically would have rubbed it in your face already." <laughs> and it's like, "Yeah, that's true, actually." Right. He's like, his actual quote was, "I would have carved my name in Oa's corpse, large enough to be seen from space." <laughs> oh, so, and then he tells her. Um, Basically, the charge on your ring must run out. When it does, if you're still alive, please know there's a yellow ring waiting for you. And so it's like, ooh. Joe's ring works differently. Joe's ring doesn't charge off the central battery. That's true. It recharges itself. Mm-hmm. So she's, that's why she's the only one with a working ring. So, okay. Yeah. The other story is that Kilowog and uh, some other of the Green Lanterns that no longer have working rings are trapped on a planet trying to help the people on it and they basically the team sends a rescue mission with john stewart leading the way and that literally just like they just take off when the story starts so uh not a lot to really talk about on that one but i really enjoyed oh and yeah it's dc so deluxe cover oh nice and speaking of sinestro 
Green Lantern 2021 20, annual <gasps> deluxe cover. Okay, that's a cool one. That's a really cool this, one. This is Jessica Cruz. Yeah, I, I noticed. So, yes, in yellow. Uh, written by Ryan Cady, art by Sammy Vasri and Tom Derenick. Hi-Fi did the coloring and Rob Lay did the lettering. Now, in this one, you might remember the most recent Jessica Cruz story. She no longer has her ring. She got attacked by three yellow lanterns and she took them out without her ring. So she took their rings and wow. she put one on and is wearing the others around her neck. Oh, but shit. Because, but because she's she's a good guy, and or a good guy, and because she is following the treaty between the lanterns, she takes her prisoners back to the Sinestro Corps. That's what she's supposed to do. So Sinestro shows up in this one, too. And she shows up. She's wearing one ring. She has the others. And you get this awesome shot of her using one. Damn. With chains to keep them all under control. Holy shit, what a badass. I know, right? And she's like, here, and he, he basically is very disappointed in them. And um, he's just like, wow, really? What, Green Lantern took out all three of you without a ring? Like, that's pretty sad, basically. And then he's like, why are you wearing that? And they have this whole conversation. And in the end, he's like, listen, you can be a Yellow Lantern. I'll let you be a Yellow Lantern if you want to. He's like, you're no longer a Green Lantern. It doesn't work. And she's like, I'm not evil. And he just kind of explains. He's like, I'm not evil. He's like, all I've ever sought is peace and the power to bring it. You know, and he's like, that's what this Lantern is. He's like, he's like, imagine a universal primordial power understood by good and evil like controlled not through brute strength but by empathy. He's like, that's what fear is. Hmm. Fear's like, and he's just like, it, fear is how you use it, basically. Yeah. And he's basically, or she's like, no, I'm good. I'm going to leave now. And he's like, all right, well, you can leave whenever you want, but I don't really have a ship to give you to leave the planet. The only thing I can give you to get out of here is a ring. Is a ring. <laughs> so you can fly out. And she's like, asshole. So she's flying out with it. And she's like, I don't like this. And she's trying to figure out what's going on. And she taps into the ring. We get this cool two-page spread. Oh, nice. Where she sees fear all over the galaxy. Yeah. And she's like, she senses it nearby. It's a ship that's out of control about to run into a planet. Ooh, hold on. That, was, that was really cool, though. Like, it's always been, like, the yellow ring casts out, like, your fear, like, just something scary. But yeah. to look into the universe and to see people's fear, oh, yeah. that's it's fucking dope. Great sources of fear. Really cool. Yeah. So, basically, this, this ship is about to run into the Earth's moon, and she she's figuring out how to use the yellow lantern to save them. So, she's finding out that, like, um... Like, these two engineers are working on the ship, but they're overly cautious. They'll never be able to repair it in time. And the captain is worried that his, uh, you know, decision-making is impaired. And the the everybody's panicking. And the security is, like, mercenaries. And they're itchy trigger fingers because they're nervous. And she basically uses this to know what's going on. So she immediately has the captain relieved of duty because he's too scared. She can sense his fear. Uh-huh. And she knows the first mate is more confident. Um, and then the engineers who were too too fearful to do it, she basically was like, and the entire time Sinestro is talking to her through the ring, walking mm-hmm. her through this, and he basically like, show him something, he, show him something he fears more than death, and she shows him something. He's like, fuck that, and then he goes in and fixes the thing, isn't overly cautious, right? So she's learning how to use it and everything, and then this piece of shit Hal Jordan shows oh, up. God. And is condescending to her no. about how she's using a, a, a yellow ring. Now, I'm you, his, his is working. 
uh-huh. for some reason his green ring's working. Don't ask me why. It doesn't have explained. But he's like, Sinestro, huh? She's like, go fuck yourself, basically. <laughs> like, like, you um, of all people do not get to judge yeah. anybody wearing any like, rings. Motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, she eventually shows him, hey, I can use this for good. And that's what she says. Like, I was scared of the damage I might cause with this kind of power. Imagine how much good I could do. Hmm. Oh, yeah. He, I mean, it's so cool. All, and all these revelation powers are fucking yeah. awesome. Yeah. And then he's like, you know what? You know, good luck. And, you know, shakes her hands like, you know, I, I trust you. And then she's like, how much power do I have left in the ring? It's like 15%. She's like, ugh. And she's like, basically, like, she asks how much it would cost to, like, do a flight. And she flies back to fucking Korrigor and recharges her ring. And sw- she says, I won't swear your oath. He's like, unsurprising, but it's not loyalty that'll keep the universe in line. She's like, and if you turn out to be just another monster Sinestro, I'll make you remember too. And yeah, she basically charges up, get this awesome last shot of her charging out of the Yellow Lantern. It's really cool. I want this just to be a book by itself. I Honestly, want her the Yellow Lantern being a book. Exploring a Yellow Lantern in a good way, yes. not anti-hero, but in a good hero capacity, that is so dope. Yeah, I really, really enjoyed that book, so... Yeah. All right. Uh, Josue, tell me about the Swamp Thing number seven. <sighs> the the Swamp Thing by the wonderful Rambi. Artist by Mike Perkins, uh, Mike Spicer on the colors, and Aditya Bidikar on the letters. So this is part two of, um, what's this little art called? Him versus the, 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 the fucking Suicide Squad. Um, only he doesn't really he doesn't really fight them all. Like at least like we haven't seen in the last in the last scenario, uh, he was gonna get the jump on Heatwave. Uh, at the start of this, we completely just skipped that because I guess I mean it's just Heatwave. I don't even know who the fuck Heatwave is. Not important. The the other Suicide Suicide Squad members just find him. How do they put it? Half drowned and mangled. <laughs> so and then we cut to we see a little bit of the action. And it's just, it's just no competition. It, he's just, he's, he's fucking out. And so split up. Everybody go find the swamp thing. Uh, cause he did, I mean, he did get a little burnt, but whatever. Uh, so chemo was like just a giant, like cancer radiated, radiated monster is just walking the forest and just killing it, just killing everything in his path. Like he's just walking. Um, peacemaker doesn't really do anything in, in this issue. He's, he's just there. And but the real the real um, Suicide Squad uh, star of this issue was uh, Aja, Nightmare Nurse. She's the one that actually finds us uh, uh, the swamp the swamp thing, and he's just kind of like walking over, like trying to get away, kind of recovering the whole time. He, honestly, he's really just like not giving a fuck about the Suicide Squad because as he's just learned part of his new powers is that he can adapt or he can sense tap into the history of the earth, the the history of anything, he, like the soul that he's walking on. He just knows the history that that's just like been there. So right now being in uh Kaziranga in, uh, in, in India. And I love that Rambi is just like incorporating all of his roots in, into this book too. Oh yeah, totally. Um, so in, in this case in Kaziranga, he's, he's feeling, he's like living out the life from like the ans- the, his ancestors, uh, part of like the, the trees, and I was like, it was like, it was a land of just like this, like proud race, proud, like tribe. And sure enough, because of war and hubris time of the, of the conquerors and fires, then the advent of iron, and you see like this, like 
cool still of a, of a time of a time lapse of like this like warrior going into some war and then just like this giant factory to just like mess up the earth and then enter nightmare nurse and she she gets to jump on him and because she's like all into magic <laughs> she literally just like really gets to jump on him and the way she's just like working him is just like opening up his like rib cages it's like you just see like these like bright green spikes protruding from like the chest. So it's almost like yeah, the rib cage is almost like popping out. And at this point, we basically just like leave um, everything there, everything that's happening there, and we go into Levi's mind. Um, and he just starts re- recollecting that back when, like back before any of this happened, um, there was a an important uh, thing that was going to happen around his town. Him being a, a man of science. Uh, wanted to convince his father since he was part of the part of the committee leader of uh of his town of his tribe that if this uh company the science company can like go in and like work around the land it was going to come down that the that the town was going to vote no it was like like this land is sacred they would just come in here and just ruin everything but because levi is again like a, i said like a man of science it's, it's not that he went around their like around their back and just like did it anyway the the companies were just going to do it anyway. If if they if the town was going to say no, they're going to buy out the the government so that the government could mandate this this to happen. And it all comes back around back to Levi. They're basically saying like like his brother basically it's like another confrontation because he's at this point he does see his brother and his father um like in his mind and again like he's still tapping into like the history of this land and they count too. Um, so you do get that confrontation of like what happened back then on like you betrayed us, you betrayed all like the whole town. And I guess like this whole mission on, on why why is this memory triggering is that Nightmare Nurse is like what she's trying to get from Swamp Thing because again now the only reason why the Suicide Squad is there to begin with is because Amanda Waller wants the Swamp Thing part of her team to just weaponize like it as well. Yay, Amanda Waller. <laughs> um, so what Nightmare Nurse is trying to do is just basically get that basically just get that one memory, the one memory to kind of retain his morality because you realize him. Him, but him living out this memory again is just now his way to repent and to just like be able to like make things right. So as she's telling him, like, yo, I can just remove this and you'll be a, you'll live a lot better. You'll feel at ease with yourself. And he's just like, no, like basically, like I need this in order, to, like, so I can just be the person that I am. And she literally just lets him go. <laughs> um, she's like, all right, fine. Uh, kind of patches him up, but not really like saves him. <laughs> Chemo uh, shows up and. um they uh she's basically like keep him i'm leaving he's in there i gave him a choice i tried and you get just like a little blurb from chemo because he just can't talk and chemo just blasts radiation into the cave and is starting to radiate the swamp thing he's literally again once again dying but if we but if we remember from future state and how cool that book was on how rombi was doing with like anatomy he got, he starts thinking, I think of, uh, Servicia acuminata and leptospermum scoparium, which survive heavy metal toxicity. I think chipsacum dactylitis filtering biotoxins consuming them, I, consuming them. I think I need, I think the need for things to survive, grow, even thrive in, in the most inhospitable places. I think of the resilience of trees. I think of our need to find the reason to persist, even in the darkest of circumstances. In this, we are together, Karizanga and I. And it's literally because like, Akima is just like this giant monster. 
Yeah, so yeah, Swamp yeah. Thing becomes the monster itself of the land and is, is going to confront him. It is just so fucking awesome on how he's just on how Rombi is just working with this creature and this monster and how well we could just do anything with him because he is just literally a living embodiment of the land and he's just unstoppable unstoppable this way i love it i love this book so much <laughs> nice i saw a thing earlier on twitter where they because it's only supposed to run 10 issues yeah but they refer to it as season one. <sighs> oh, buddy yes so yeah and we have been seeing that with the, like, the the static milestone like it has like that subtitle yeah. for season one yeah dude i would love that yeah they did refer to it as season one though so. cool that was on rom v's twitter oh nice so, yeah take for, take from that what you will <laughs> <laughs> um all right a couple more solo dc blue and gold number two i got this deluxe oh nice cover it's a suicide squad cover <laughs> um for the movie which sure um <laughs> i love it <laughs> Written by Dan Jurgens, art and colors by Ryan Sook, and lettered by Rob Lay. Um, it's it's Booster Gold and Blue Beetle. It's exactly what you think it is. It's a lot of fun. Um, it's them having a mission together, and uh, Booster Gold is captured, and Blue Beetle has to save him. And Blue Beetle basically ends up getting fired from his company because of everything going on. And so now they don't have money and he's like worried about it. And, and Booster Gold's like, no, it's fine. We're, we're good. Uh, once again, the highlight of this book to me is the fact that they live stream all their fights and Guy Gardner is still in the chat shit talking oh the entire time. <laughs> like, like, they're like, oh, this is a fake fight. And Guy Gardner's like, uh, or someone says Booster wouldn't lie. And he goes, he would, but this is legit. If it was a con, they'd be hammering Despero, Amazo, and Doomsday at the same time. Because, like, that's how bad Booster Gold is. <laughs> like, it's, it's just, I just love the idea of Guy Gardner shitposting. Like, just sitting at home shitposting while That other is so funny, are. yeah. Like, if he shows up in this book, I'm going to love it, so. I think I discovered that Mars is also a huge uh, Guy Gardner fan. Guy's the best. <laughs> He's, He's my favorite Green Lantern. He's so funny. <laughs> like, he's so, you know... By the best, I mean he's the best character. Oh yeah, he's yeah, I get you. <laughs> just, I just love hating on him. He's just like, God, he sucks. <laughs> yeah, that's the that's the joke. That's why we <laughs> like him. <laughs> like, we like him for the same people people like U.S. Agent. I was going to compare. He's terrible. a perfect comparison to uh, Sam he's John Walker. He's not like he's not racist. <laughs> like, right. <laughs> <laughs> still, yeah, but good stuff. I lo- I'm loving it. It's a mini, unfortunately, but hopefully, maybe we'll get JLI back later, which mm. would be a lot of fun. So. Um, that takes me to a number one. Ooh. Kind of excited you didn't pick this up just for your collection. Black Manta number one. Oh, I know the Chuck Brown collection. At least I got that cover. Yeah. So yes, um, and it's really good. It like, oh, it. So, anyways, written by Chuck Brown, uh, art by Valentin Delandro, colors by Marisa Luis, and letter by Clayton Cowles, and of course I got the Sanford Green cover. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just cool. It's it like you can see the art style. Okay, like, that is badass. Uh, and it's it's basically it's 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 setting up stuff right now. So it's hard to sum up exactly what's going on. But the art style, if anything, it kind of reminds me of Yara Floor, specifically Ooh. the um Joel Jonesish. Yeah, like see, like this stuff. 
Oh, I see. I, I got you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like it's it's got a really cool style to it and stuff, and this shot. Almost like a matte like finish to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and it's not quite like polished, but it's meant to look that way. Uh huh. But yeah, it's just really cool. I really like the idea of it. And there's not a lot to talk about as far as plot goes. Because I think we'll need another issue to really delve into that. But I didn't really enjoy this. It was really, That's cool. really good. So. It's like, well, like um, I, I don't know enough about Black Manta. I didn't know why she'd be excited for this book. Like, for, for me to get personally, except for just, like, the creative team. But then at the same time, yeah. it's like, I, I didn't know. I didn't know if I should go up with it. Well, it looks cool. the, big, the big thing with Black Manta is his son, mm-hmm. who is Jackson, Aquaman. Oh, okay. So, he's getting his own book soon. Right. And I wanted to kind of like, I think it's going to tie pretty heavily into this. So I want to make sure you did see this ad though, right? In another book. Yeah. For that one. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That's his son. So yeah, I'm going to read the shit out of Aquaman the Becoming. So So anyways, good book. Enjoyed it. Now let's talk about the ones we share. Starting with Crush and Lobo number four. Deluxe cover. That's a really good cover. I I was thinking about it. Yeah. It was almost my cover of the week for DC. Ooh. But we'll talk about that in a moment. So, <laughs> uh, so Crush and Lobo number four, and um, once again, we're taking up with the father and daughter hate fest that is this book. There you go. I was like, where are you going with that? <laughs> it's like this father daughter story. It's like that's not really right. <laughs> with Lobo being the worst father in the galaxy, yes, and Crush deserving much better. Um, it is interesting. Like all jokes aside. This book does a really good job of showing how, like, if you have a shitty parent, how it can really actually affect you as a person later on. You know yeah. what I mean? How damaged it can make you. Even when other people are trying to break through into you and get to know you, how much it makes it harder to do that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, so, yeah. Um, written by Mariko Tamaki. Drawn by Amanke Nanpun. Uh, colored by Tamara Bonville and lettered by Ariana Mayer. So, Crush is tricked into taking Lobo's spot in prison, and Lobo fucks off. Um, <laughs> Crush, uh, again, I want to point out this, and we talked about this quite a bit with Crush. I love the way they draw Crush. Yes. How they make her so strong looking. So bulky, yeah. Yeah, she's very, bulky's a good word, yeah. How, and, like, they're not trying to sexy her up too much. She is sexy in her own That's way. That's what makes her know? sexy, yeah, I mean, being how yeah. she is. But they could they could starfire her, but they don't. Exactly. And and every time there's a scene with her and her girlfriend, it's the most adorable shit in the world. They really are. <laughs> like and the part where she paints a picture of her and it's a sad, weird little picture, but it's still fucking adorable. I love the other alien. Real great movement on the canvas. And then his his is like an actual beautiful scene. <laughs> yeah. And I still love that her uh her cellmate is the bug guy from the last issue. That scene with the dad. Oh, I recall that scene so far. It's just so funny. Yeah. Um, and she has to go to, you know, therapy and she's like, I'm not Lobo. <laughs> and she finally manages to convince it that she's not Lobo by getting herself thrown into the infirmary. And they're like, Hey, you're not Lobo. <laughs> Basically, <laughs> She's like, no shit. Um, the warden originally is just like, well, you know, beggars can't be choosers. I got somebody in here. <laughs> yeah. It's like, no, that's not how it works. She convinces them to let her go hunt Lobo. They put a time bomb on her and let her go. Um, so that's kind of where we're going. I believe, if I remember correctly, this is four of eight. 
I think I saw eight as well. Yeah, yeah it so is part of it. Halfway through, mm-hmm. I'm really liking it. It's a lot of fun. I just love Mariko Tamaki. She writes stories unlike anybody else. Honestly, know? yeah, I, I I definitely agree. Yeah. So, yep. And that leads us to our last DC book and my DC deluxe cover of the week. Oh, deluxe cover of the week. Wow, I didn't even get a chance to see this one. Yeah. That is really good. Sensational Wonder Woman number seven. Uh, creative team. Written by Sonya Anwar. Colorist, or written and drawn, excuse me, by Sonya Anwar. Mm-hmm. Colorist by Eva De La Cruz. Lettered by Travis Lanham. Uh, so, for those who don't know, Sensational Wonder Woman is a Wonder Woman book, but it's it's like an anthology book. It's yeah. in a different, like, it's not an overarching thing. And it's the one I've been picking up is this one instead of the mainline story. And I'm really enjoying it, actually. And uh, um, the, I'm, I'm glad to hear you say that, but kind of sad because the description for it, when I was making my list, said that this was a finale. Like, I think from this book, my, I mean, it doesn't say the end because it is an anthology book. I think that, but this book might like, came to a close. Uh, maybe. I'll, I'll send you a link over like, where, where I found it, but it's kind of like the, the. Seven's a weird way to stop. It is. Yeah. Um, well, this one actually does a pretty good job of teasing for the future, too, though. It does do that, yes. So, Wonder Woman, she meets, you know, one of her biggest fans who is a a rich influencer. And, um, she takes a picture with her and everything. It's really cool. And, um, long story short, that woman goes missing with her child. And we delve into her history. And it becomes this really interesting fascinating story about this woman yeah and what she's going through and you know where she comes from like i like the whole thing about how she's she's latina and she kind of had to change her appearance oh i know that was heartbreaking but i i get it and it's like i know kind of those people yeah i was wondering how you like like how you felt about that i was curious um you know coming from a mexican background yeah i'm as white as it can be so we (laughs) we're chameleons we can try to we fake every culture uh so that's what we do but it's really interesting i thought it was also a really good dissection of how shitty it can be to be famous yeah and just like how everybody picks at her and how her husband wanted her to go out once and she's just like i just need some time to myself i can't be they're sending these questions to me that i why should i be answering about this you know like i'm just supposed to be pretty and it's just like it's really interesting and Diana's trying to find her, and something happens with her, and she ends up starting to attack all the people in her life who have been hurting her. Um, I'm not familiar enough with Wonder Woman lore. Who is who? Who do you think did this? Is Honestly, that, I have no idea. Is it Percy, maybe. Hmm. I'm not sure who it would be because I don't know her villains well enough. Right, and don't really outright say it, except for like almost establishing this new villain for her. Basically, well, I mean, the scene where she's she sees this. Oh, that's right. Um, yeah, honestly, I, I couldn't I couldn't tell who that was either. I was thinking it might be someone like Cersei or somebody I'm just not aware of. So that was my thought. But yeah, basically, she goes bad. She's attacking all the people and stuff. Um, in the end, Wonder Woman's able to save everybody, but she gets away. Um. She's got this badass mask that gives me um, feelings of Lady Rawhide. I don't know if anyone remembers Lady Rawhide. She was like, um, uh, back in the day when Dynamite was doing Zorro books. Uh-huh. 
She was like a female Zoro. She was super cool. I really liked Lady Rawhide. Hmm. Um, so, um, yeah, I, I dug that. We don't really get a name, like a supervillain name or anything like that. And then she just bombs out. And then Wonder Woman's sitting with the husband. And we find out that he really did love her. He was just really kind of like really bad at showing it. Yeah. Oh, totally. and, and quote, he didn't love her enough, you know. Mm-hmm. And he's trying to love their son until she comes home. So it'd be very strange to me if this is the end. Like, yeah, I mean, this I, is the first time I'm like, well, I need a follow up for this. You know what <laughs> I, mean? I sent I sent you the the link to it. Yeah, I'm looking right now. So I was going to see what you thought of the issue while I look at this here. Oh no, I, mean, I I I really liked this story. It was just like I don't say like it's a very adult story, but it was just like you you think it's going to go one way. It's like okay, like obviously he's going to be the villain. But then you get the twist and then actual reasoning for it, like the motivation for it. And it's like, it's basically justified up until like her just leaving her kid too. Uh, but other than that, it's like, you can't really blame her. Like everybody was just dead set against her. Um, so so I, honestly, I just, I really enjoyed this book. And and, yeah, and you're right. Like it just, it does suck if this is just a final issue to just leave it on that note. But at the same time, that's it's almost like as real as it can get. I mean, they like, might be establishing a new villain. That's true. I mean, that's that's what I definitely got for it uh, as well. Yeah. But to just leave it on that note, on for that guy, where it's just like, oh, at least uh, where it's like, at least he's learn going to learn to be a, a real father now. Uh, but it's uh, everything like at what cost, you know? Um, I think I skipped out on one issue for Sensational Wonder Woman. I have to go back so I can actually have the full collection. Yeah. No, but definitely says final issue. So yeah, which is weird. Yeah. But that wraps up our DC books for the week, which means it's Marvel time. Marvel time. It's Marvel time. <laughs> Triceratops. <laughs> Daredevil. <laughs> Spidey. <laughs> yes. Uh, Krakoa. Anyways, so um, <laughs> we're going to talk about our Marvel books. As always, we start with our solo books. And as usual, we're going to start with Josue because he only has one. Amazing Spider-Man. 73 slash 874. Oh baby! So okay. did you did you get a chance to skim through it? I did read it. So, okay, um, but I want you to host it because you usually handle yeah. the Spidey stuff, and um, I can pop in with my opinions. <laughs> okay, okay, I'm I'm gonna need them. I, I know it's a complex thing, and there's some there's some symbolism and there's some throwback. So yeah, stuff that not everybody. It's an expensor event here. <laughs> so likes right. his lore, doesn't he? Oh, oh God, yes, he does. <laughs> <laughs> so written by Nick Spencer, artists are Zé Carlos and Carlos Gomez with Marcelo Ferreira, and Alex Sinclair as a colorist and Joe Caramanga as a letter. So this is the post aftermath conclusion to Sinister War, maybe. Um, and there might be a little bit extra. It doesn't even feature Peter, so <laughs> basically, <laughs> um, yeah, you're still right. It's just like the beginning of him going to the mirror, but that's it. Um, so. What we get here is the reveal of Kindred being Gwen Stacy? No. Question mark. No. It's not Gwen. It's not Gwen. Okay. Okay. So there's a storyline where Gwen Stacy is revealed to have been the lover of Norman Osborn. Uh Uh-huh. And they had two children together. And everyone, especially me, it was very weird. Fucking hated that story <laughs> because Gwen is my favorite Spidey character by a pretty wide margin, and that felt like character assassination to me. <laughs> yeah, I think 
because we're not certain. They kind of give us oblique hints as to what's going on. We don't get like a full understanding yet. But I believe this is somewhat retconning that. Yes. That I, I, this whole time I've been praying, screaming to the to the skies that redo retcon one more day. It seems like they're not going well, that. Well, it seems well, like they're not going uh, that way, huh? Not one more day, though. No, not one more. No, no. I'm, I'm going to say that. It seems like like that's what I wanted. It seems like we're not going in that direction. And we honestly, could. we could retcon that. Retcon that too. I think we're still doing that. To be honest, if we're still doing that, yes. But I was kind of I was, but I was like dead set. Like that's the path that we would get from like this issue. That's not really the case. We get to touch back on something else. And yes, it was that. And honestly, I, 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 I preferred this where it was just like, ignore, like when it was just like the TV, just talking to like with Gwen, get fucking real dad. You think you could, you thought you could ever get with someone like that. And I, I really like that. I love that. It established that like this whole time we were thinking that, and like we were even thrown off by it, but it, in the end, none of that actually happened or it wasn't real. He was also just as much like played with this whole time. So, yeah. So him and Gwen had twins and they played it a pretty important role in Spider-Man's life for a little while. That was actually a period of amazing Spider-Man. I was reading quite a bit. Of. Oh, cool. And, um, basically, yeah, the whole thing is like, yeah, we're their kids and we were hyper age. So we're your age now. But now the hyper age is slowly is quickly killing us because now we're aging too f- fast and mm-hmm. it's this whole thing. And the girl looks exactly like Gwen. Yeah, yeah. And so that was a big thing. And there was this whole thing going on. They had a cool redemption arc at one point. She did especially. Mm-hmm. It was okay, but I always hated the story. So this seems like, like I said, like a retcon, and it's a blunt force retcon. Yeah, it's literally just like, oh, you thought that was real? Well. Mysterio and Chameleon and things. Don't worry about it. None of it happened. Just forget we did it. We're so sorry. Please just forget we did the story. It really was that. (laughs) And so now it's basically not only is that not Gwen's daughter, it's not even the original one of them because they cloned them several times to get them, you know, there. So I gathered it was a clone of Gwen. Oh, yeah. And and at the end, like, that's what I said with the question mark, because at the end she has like that weird, like, face swap and then it's, it's harry again as kindred <laughs> yeah no i think they're both kindred oh okay oh i, I see more than one kindred oh i see which okay mm. so maybe it was harry in the prison <laughs> or in the whatever when we were yeah with the harry osborne, Norman osborne <laughs> confusion we had right so um so I, it's an evil gl- a cl- clone of gwen yeah it's not the rogue gwen it's not their daughter technically because mm-hmm. that one died right the one that was actually good. So, yeah. And I'm curious to see where it goes. This one seems to have Gwen's memories, though. Yeah. Because she went, she goes and finds MJ. And just like, it's just been really cool where, um, how close, like, how literally, it's just been such a tight circle on like, every, like, Kindred's been there for the, from the beginning, like, literally promising that he was gonna like, fuck up Peter Parker's life from like, just like, just like, unrooting everything. And uh, yeah, for this for this review to be like I, a Gwen, this Gwen, to, and to tie it all up to like those specific key points and the Osborns like life as well, like it's just it, it's just it's made sense. It was, I actually do like this payoff. At least like if the whole payoff for this for Kindred to be to retcon that weird shit from the nineties, love it. 
Yeah. I'm, I'm absolutely for it. Yep. Anything that can clear Gwen's name would be fine with me. <laughs> yeah, right. I, I, I fucking hated that. So, <laughs> but yeah, we're we're coming up on the last run of Nick Spencer and the the whatever is going to happen with a wedding. I know. It's just it's just one more issue left. Just just one. Like I don't get it. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. So awesome. All right, now I'll start talking about my solo Marvel. Ooh, not cool. as much as usual. And as always, I start off with my Star Wars books. Star Wars, Dr. Aphra, number 14. So it seems like the last one came out like a week ago. It's <laughs> like, I think I, feel like just I just reviewed talked. Dr. Aphra. Yeah. So. Um, this one is written by Alyssa Wong, drawn by Federico Sabatini, colored by Rochelle Rosenberg, and lettered by Joe Carmagna. So in the last one, Aphra and uh, Sana are captured and they're put in the brig and who's in the brig with them but just lucky and ariosi who is also who's just lucky's buddy uh and um afra and just lucky know each other well because he keeps selling her out even (laughs) though they're partners so she's like that son of a bitch (laughs) and so basically they're about to fight they agree to help each other get out uh they concoct a plan they get out they're like, we got it, you know, we're, we're doing our thing. It's it, This was a really fun, quick-paced book issue, so mm-hmm. not a lot to really delve too deeply into. Wait, is Some this... Funny moments, though. This Close didn't tie into War of the Bounty Hunters? It did, but to the side of it. Oh, okay. Yeah. They're still on the ship where the auction took place. That's where they were captured. Ah, okay. So they're in the brig of it. Um, But um, it does tie in a little bit in a sec, though. Um. So they get out and they're like, all right, we need to get to, you know, back to where we were. We need to find the thing we stole. They break into uh, a, what looks to be a closet and it ends up being an armory. And it's great because they're not afraid to be a little goofy. So, like, there's the armory. Uh-huh. And you can see, like, her face. She's, like, all <laughs> chibied out right there. See? Right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so they're like, yeah, hell yeah. And they all arm themselves and stuff. And they basically fight their way for the, through the ship. They get back to the place they were before, and they run. They, well, then Kira, once again showing back up, she's got the necklace they're looking for with all the information in it, mm. and so she puts it on display. She's like, "Oh, this is a good thing," and they're about to seal it back when this ninja chick shows up, and they're about to fight. Mm. Fun, fun issue. They're starting to pull them away from the um, the Han Solo of it all. Yeah. And Doctor Afra is kind of has been kind of unrelated to the um, to the Han Solo like plot part of it. Yeah, but I think they did a really good job of tying her in because, to be honest, Doctor Afra is the only Star Wars book of this kind that I even buy. Right. I don't buy Darth Vader. I don't buy Bounty Hunters. So tying her into this is what got me into the rest of the oh, crossover. So it was very smart of them. So. Um, but yeah, I, I dug it. It's fun. Uh, it is what it is. You know, it's really cool. So I uh, love to meet some Dr. Afra, which takes me to Star Wars, War of the Bounty Hunters, number four. Uh, so this is the core title. Cool Boba Fett cover. Yeah. And a lot happens in this one. So I'll go through as quick <laughs> as I can. Um Written by Charles Soule, illustrated by Luke Ross and David Messina. Colored by Naraj Manon with Guru Effects and letter by Travis Lanham. So basically, Darth Vader is like, come fight me, Luke. And keep in mind, this is before Jedi. So, yeah. 
He's like, come fight me or I'm going to chop up frozen Han Solo. And Luke is like, I can't fight him. I'll lose. So he's like, I don't know what to do. And he tells Leia. Leia's like, he's going to kill him. And he's like, hey, I can't do it, Leia. I'm sorry. And Leia's like, the fuck? Like, <laughs> so basically, she's like, well, we're me and Chewie are going to rush Darth Vader. I'm like, well, that's not going to end well. <laughs> and then um, that's when Luke reaches out to Vader. He's like, you want me? Come get me, basically. He's in his X-Wing flying away. And they're like, oh, he's not going to fall for this. And they're like, you don't know how badly Vader wants to kill Luke. And then Vader's holding his lightsaber up to Frozen on Solo, and he's like, prepare my ship, basically. <laughs> like, and so he, he leaves. And they're like, shit, now we need still we need still Han back. Um, there's also a big power struggle with the Huts that I'm not going to get into because I don't want to talk about Star Wars politics for 20 minutes. Um, <laughs> okay. Uh, there's a fight between Boba Fett and uh, uh, Dengar and, uh, uh, blah, gosh, what's his name? Valance. The two, the two bounty hunters from the bounty hunters book. Okay. And uh, long story short, Dengar gets his ass handed to him. And Valance is just like, you know, I respect you, Boba. And Boba's like, I respect you too. Want to work together? It's like, yeah, sure. So they work together now, which is great. Um, Yeah. And then Luke basically tricks Vader into chasing him. Uh, we get something's going on with Kira and her whole group. And yeah, everybody's chasing everybody. It's fun. And then it ends with, with one of the huts saying, now the Empire will learn why you never insult a hut. And we're kind of left on a cliffhanger for that. So fun. I'm really digging this. I love that they took like this weird little spot between movies and are making a whole story out of it. Yeah. Like, that's really cool. So, well, yeah, uh, digging that. Next up, number one, and I got the Peach Momoko variant. Kazar, Lord of the Savage Land. <laughs> bum, bum, oh, that's a very bum, cute bum. one. Love it. Um, this book is very interesting in the way it's designed, the way it's laid out. So, written by Zach Thompson, uh, artist is Herman Garcia, color by Matthias Lopes, and letter by Joe Carmagna. Just to give you an idea of what I'm talking about as far as like layout, like look at this opening page. Ooh. It's almost like a storybook, right? Yeah, it is. So some of it's more traditionally comics, you know, you could see something like this, but you can also see the coloring. The coloring is like, it's got a basis, like almost like a hue to it, a yellow hue. Yeah. You know, so, um, and the story is, you know, we, we read empire, uh, Kazar was basically ah, wrecked right. and killed and brought back to life. And now just like his wife, he's attached to the savage land and he feels everything the savage land feels. Oh, no shit. And he's starting to experience like kind of like animal man mm -hmm. in that, like if he can connect to it, he can do things like it. So he can charge and headbutt like, like a, you know, triceratops and stuff like that. Like, so he's doing cool shit like that, but it's also freaking him the fuck out. So, um, and she's like, no, it's cool. You just need to relax. And it's just like, no. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, he gets a new costume, which she made out of, um, this uh this um mold that grew grows in the water and because they're able to like control things it's like it's almost like unstable molecules but made of like living tissue basically it can do whatever you need it to it folds over you and everything like that so it's cool mm -hmm. but the big thing is about him and the relationship with their son um their son is you know 
this young man and he wants to, you know, he wants to take step in on his dad's, you know, job and he's trying to do it and stuff. The art actually, if anything, reminds me of uh, like New Mutants almost. Like it's kind of like, Ooh, okay, like Rod Rice stuff. Yeah. Like this stuff we've been reading lately. Yeah. Okay, cool. Like, um, like this, this, this thing at the end. Oh, yeah. Like, see, and so something is here and it's damaging the savage land and the son knows about it. We find out and he's like partnered with it. He's like, you know, mom and dad are on to you and that's how it kind of leaves off. So I'm curious to see where this goes. I always like Kazar. I always like jungle missions. So fun, fun stuff. Mm-hmm. And my final solo book is the defenders. Number two. Um, Defenders number two. I got this awesome variant cover that's like an old school cover where they have speech bubbles and everything. Oh yeah, yeah, I love that stuff. Um, and the Defenders, as a reminder, is the impromptu super team that Doctor Strange throws together when need be. Um, so, and the the leader or the membership constantly changes between missions. So the current membership is, of course, Doctor Strange. Uh, we also have the Silver Surfer. The Masked Raider, Harpy, and Cloud. And in the last issue, we were sent back in time, back to um, the previous universe before ours. That's right. Where, when, because Galactus came from that universe. Galen. Galen. Exactly. So they show up, and there's their version of Galactus in that universe attacking a planet, and they're hanging out with this hot chick. Right here. Oh, nice. That Doctor Strange is like, she's pretty hot. <laughs> and like he flirts with her a little bit and stuff. Um, they have this cute little moment right here. Like, yeah. Yeah. I actually like that art right there. Yeah, it's really cool. So she calls him a handsome catch and all this stuff. Oh, of and, course. And so they, they save the Dave temporarily, but they're like, we're going to stop the devourer. So they go back to her little science base because everybody here is all on science. They're mm-hmm. post-religion, basically. And she's like, um, uh, Harpy is like smelling something. She's like, I smell something. She's like, there's a baby here. It went in its diaper. And she goes, oh, baby Gallon has awoken from his summer slumber. And Silver Surfer's like, Gallon? Baby? And they find baby Galactus. Oh, She's Galactus's God, mom. no. And so Silver Surfer has this moment where he's staring at him. Yep. And he's like, one day this child will be an inhuman force of nature divorced from the cries of his victims. Is he learning that now in this mechanical cradle? Does his heart become as vast and noble as, the, as a dying son? <laughs> Is he already set on this path? And he holds up his hand. Can I prevent it? Oh, shit. And it's then, like the, the, the Kill Bill si- siren so- sound. <laughs> so the Master Raider pulls out a gun. He's like, what are you doing? And Servicer's like, you know no gun bullet in that gun can affect me. And then, then we get a tease. He goes, do you know who's under this mask surfer? He's like, I can see your aura as well. I know who you are, a mask raider. And I'm like, tell me, goddammit. Yeah. <laughs> so, and he's like, uh, enough. I'm not going to let you kill Galactus. He's like, kill him with a light show. And he's like, just literally doing sparkles for the baby who's laughing. <sighs> and he says, uh, he's like, it got, its, it got its attention. He's like, you don't want to kill him. He goes, are you shocked? Should I desire judgment? He's like, I cannot change what created me, Raider, but perhaps there is a destiny at work here, a gift I can give. So here is knowledge, Galen, of the reality to come and all its beauty and sorrow and joy. Bury it deep within. 
It will drive you on, and in time, it will arm you for your long fight against the hunger. God, I'm, I'm such a monster. Like, can I prevent it? But instead of doing bad yeah. to kill no, it, no, just... it's so good. Like, yeah, like, goddamn it. Put, I'm gonna put a little goodness in him, and one day maybe that'll make a difference. And I'm like, yeah, Fuck oh my, <laughs> that is actually <laughs> really good. I'm such a monster. <laughs> no, no, I had the same thought. Everybody did. So, <laughs> so they they fight. Um, they fight the their version of Galactus, and they scare him off of the planet, and then. Uh, he has a herald that's one of the three guys from the Night Raiders backstory in in Marvel Comics 1000. Oh, okay. And Silver Surfer drains the power cosmic from him. So now Silver Surfer's glowing Ooh. and has two times the power. Oh, shit. Yes. And then suddenly the time travel pulls them away. And Steven says, we're being pulled further back in time. Oh, damn. So I think they went back to the reality before that one. Oh, shit. And then what's this? A new comet crosses the sky. New guests cross the threshold. New fuel for the secret fire. The source supreme in me calls that a fine omen. Good tidings, says Moradin. Good tidings for the end of days. Whoa. And we're going full on Lovecraft. Yeah. So. By the hoary host, the hoary host of Hoggoth. Yeah, exactly. So, pretty cool. I'm loving this. I hope they just keep going further, further back in time. Yeah, honestly, that's, that's really cool. Work. Like, great. So, digging it. All right, that takes us to the books we share, Ooh. and uh, we're gonna start with the star of the week, Mister Shang Chi. Yes, Shang Chi number four. Uh, creative team is written by Jean Louine Yang. Uh, art is by Dyke Ruan. I haven't actually checked their reactions to the movies. I showed on Twitter. Oh, that's all. true. Uh, colored by Triona Farrell and lettered by Travis Lanham and Joe Caramagna. So in this Shang-Chi story, we've had him basically versus the Marvel universe mm-hmm. where he keeps running into different people and he keeps basically outsmarting them. Oh, and I should, I should say, um, I got this cover. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, it's it's the Miles Morales cover. Oh, nice. Know, which would be a cool team up, by the way. It really so, would. <laughs> so, um, so we've seen him come up against Captain America and Wolverine and Spider Man. Well, now it's time for the Fantastic Four. And spoiler: Reed is an asshole. Oh my Anyone god! Anyone surprised by that? <laughs> I just hate how he's just like how he's so like yeah 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 whatever well yeah, whatever whatever like bro. <laughs> Just try to be a hero sometimes. Try to be a human. A human. (laughs) Try to have emotions, you fucking asshole. I'm not going to put my family in jeopardy over a dream. Like, are you fucking kidding me, dude? (laughs) Like, that's all you... I think your tweet was, that's all you do. That's all you do. (laughs) (laughs) That's literally your brand, asshole. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, basically, um, we still don't have a sister hammer. And so... Uh, Shang-Chi receives a dream of his childhood home and that Sister Hammer is there and is is calling to him. And he's just like, I need to get there. He finds out, oh, it's in the negative zone. Hey, Reed, I heard you can get me to the negative zone. My sister's trapped there. Yeah, yeah, whatever. I don't want to do it. (laughs) No, and he's just like, he's literally like, oh, yeah. I mean, what's going on? You know, it was like, oh, did someone kidnap her? And he's just like, Oh no, our sorcerer believes he's like sorcerer. What sorcerer? The sorcerer of the five weapons society. Oh, well fuck you then, basically. <laughs> yeah, dude. It's like, okay, now I'm really don't want to pay attention. 
Like, oh, definitely not my my fault. Oh, like, fuck off. So he refuses to help. So Shang-Chi breaks into the Baxter building and uses it anyway. <laughs> as one should. And all the siblings go with them. Sister Staff, Dagger, and uh, Saber. Brother Saber. So um, they all go. And they discover it's actually Shang-Chi's mother. Yes. Dun, dun, dun. What a perfect timing for this. I know. Uh, after I the movie. So good. And so she's kind of damaged because she's been talking to mantises for ever, for eternity, basically. Yeah. And um, they show back up. They fight the Fantastic Four. Shang-Chi puts the thing down with a <laughs> pressure point in one shot, which is excellent. Yeah. And then Reed's just being a dick about it. <laughs> still. And then Shang-Chi's like, fucking goodbye later, douchebag. And then Reed is like, tattles on him basically it's <laughs> like shang chi's being a dick cap <laughs> like you need to fix he it really is. like what a, god reed is so unlikable and then we get yet another tease of something coming to stop shang chi and more and more i think it's his father coming back to life oh shit yeah probably <laughs> so and our next issue is going to be Iron Man versus Shang Chi, and that cover looks so sick because like they have like the, the same color scheme. Yeah, so him donning the Iron Man suit kind of looks really fucking dope. Yeah, uh, I I I honestly I, I like the part, but it's just like it's crazy how much of an influence the dad had on them. Like when Sister Staff, like when they're infiltrating the Baxter Building, and Sister Staff like does her mutant thing and like kicks ass. And, and Brother Saber goes, like, perhaps Father was wrong about mutants. It's like, yeah, he was wrong about a bunch of things, dude, but, like, he moved past this part. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, that's, you know, indoctrinated. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's bad. <laughs> we all know. So, uh, moving on, let's talk about Champions number nine. Mm-hmm. So I discovered this week that Champions is a limited series. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> Boo! Boo. <I> see. <laughs> uh, I'm loving Champions. Please give me more. Um, written by Danny Lore, uh, art by Luciano Vecchio, uh, coloring by Federico Blee, and lettering by Clayton Cowles. So we're wrapping up the Killer App story where Roxxon is like, we'll just make a Twitter, a, a Twitter thing and We'll brainwash kids. Also, we're going to make robots that attack kid or kid teenagers, mm-hmm. or superheroes. And the champion's like, we'll stop that. And we're left off in a really cool cliffhanger last time where it looks like the vision's about to get caught, you know, stealing and sneaking around. But Kamala Khan steps in and saves <laughs> the day and basically tricks, tricks Roxanne to make her one of their spokespeople. And then we go to a concert where she's supposed to give a speech saying Roxanne's good. And we got the champions being like, all right, so this is what we need to do, but we don't have the manpower for this. And in my head, I'm like, well, there's more than the five of you. (laughs) Seriously. Like, I was just like, I mean, you guys can probably call somebody, I'm sure. But I was like, but I moved on from that thought really quick. I was like, cool, whatever. And she's about to give the speech and they find, yes, there's five of the freelancer bad guys in the group and they're about to attack if she does something wrong. Kamala goes up there. By the way, I know Roxxon's the bad guys, but I really want one of the shirts. <laughs> the Roxxon shirts. Like, yeah. I really want that so bad. I, I, anyways, honestly, I, I would love... Um, it's like, a, like the worst shirt from uh, that you would wear, but it's like it's from the Matt Fraction Iron Man shirt, and it's like a skeletal face, but with a cap mask, and it's uh, Tony Was Right. 
Oh God. <laughs> I still want a Magneto was right. Sure. Oh, for sure. But yeah. So basically they're about to attack. And then suddenly the freelancers start like the first one just fucking falls over. <laughs> and then Wasp, which is Nadia Van Dyne. I, I think so. Yeah. Uh, comes out and she's like knocked him down. And then all the other champions start popping up, helping them in a little clandestine ways, which was so much fun. Yeah. I really dug that. Um, and basically Kamala's like, fuck Roxanne. <laughs> basically like, fuck you and the click you claim is basically what she's saying. <laughs> <laughs> like, and she rips off her shirt for a new shirt that says, I'm not your law, which is a great fucking shirt. Great shirt. Also another shirt I would love to have. <laughs> um, and they're, basically she gives a speech and all the teenagers unite and protect her. And Kamala's law is repealed. Yes. And teenage superpowered teenagers can go out and beat up whoever they want. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying there could have been a compromise law is all I'm saying. <laughs> so, um, but everybody's there. They're or all just dismantle cradle. That's it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We, like there was still like a mentor, actually, a mentor factor in the law, which yeah, is okay. I, say, I actually really liked the mentor program. I thought that was a cool idea and it would lead to fun team ups. I just didn't like how it was enforced. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, so, but yeah, basically we resolve a lot of our character disputes. Nova and Miss Marvel hug it out. Uh, Ironheart and Viv have their little moments. Yeah. Everything seems to be going good. We cut back to the lady from Roxanne. She tells Andre to fuck off. And he's like, you know what? Fuck you, bitch. And he takes over all the robots <laughs> and they're attacking. And that's going to be the conclusion. Yeah. Um, if this is the end of the champions, at least for now, it's a shame, but it's been a great ride. I've oh, really for sure. This book. Um, I love having the young heroes actually matter and do something fun. Yeah. It kind of makes sense with Kamala's law being taken down. That was kind of the thing that started the series. With like outlawed and stuff. Yeah, it seemed like yeah, it would be like a good so. conclusion to like start it that way. It, it was there for a while, but now we actually get the, the, the ending that's like that the law got repealed. Yeah, I would like to have another book that's kind of like a big school book because we don't really have one except for strange academy and marvel right and we used to have like avengers academy young avengers mm -hmm. runaways young x-men we used to have a bunch of them and you know it'd be fun to have like a big champions book yeah for sure you know so maybe we'll see something in the future but for now greatly enjoyed it good book love that shit so hmm. anything you want to add um no i've also just been enjoying this one i would also because we only got like cameos from like the rest of like the the champions list like when they all got together but it's like use those like use those guys like not just like for like the clandestine that little clandestine moment to kind of like when they were all like in the in the crowd but um highlight highlight them more like give mm -hmm. updates on those characters power-ups or like just make them just like still feel around than just like cameoed in the back yeah i did like Dominic's toe a little bit he's oh, on my, like one panel when he's like, like hell yeah he's just like holding him like i could break you <laughs> <laughs> it was so obvious so like oh god dude <laughs> it's funny but yeah um all right and now we're gonna talk about daredevil book <laughs> uh so i got the cover a because it's wonderful it is it made me think of the movie when yeah. when because bull, bulls in the middle of this cover and when he's like catching all the painted glass <laughs> yeah it made me think of that scene <laughs> It's I never not I never don't laugh when I see that scene. It always makes me laugh every time. It's like <laughs> but he does it so casually, it's like, uh, he's every like showing one off. of them. <laughs> Stupid. 
Uh, okay, written by Chip Zdarsky, art by Stefano Landini doing a guest appearance, mm-hmm. colored by Marcio Meniz, letter by Clayton Cowles. Um, Cicchetto did do the cover, though. So Okay. Um, you can tell because of Typhoid Mary up in the corner. Oh, yeah. So, <laughs> so, as we all know, <laughs> uh, the hair is the, is the giveaway. Um, so, yeah, when we last left off, Daredevil was the king of the prison. And that kind of <laughs> felt like it came out of nowhere. Yeah. Um, but it's explained pretty well. Cole North is like, sup, bitch, what's going on? Why are you doing this? And Daredevil is explaining there's this drug and it causes violent antisocial behavior and they're giving it to the to the prisoners and the prisoners are going home mm-hmm. and it's infecting other people and that's driving crime rates up which i thought was a really cool story about like police and um prison corruption you know yeah dude. and especially how they, how they explain that it's like but as it spreads it just it dilutes itself so it doesn't get past the neighborhood and it's like yeah. fuck they really are just containing it it's like it's fucked up. Yeah. And so that's what it is. Daredevil is just literally, he, yes, he is high on that shit, but he's also kind of like, what the fuck is the point of my job? Yeah. And he's just kind of like, I've been beating those people up. You know what I mean? Like, because they break the law and how many of them didn't have a chance. Right. You know? And it's like, yeah, that, that would break him, you know? And uh, so good. So, Meanwhile, Electra says goodbye um, to uh, Alice. Alice, thank you. I was trying to remember her name. And it's basically like, hey, the apartment's yours. I'm probably going to die. <laughs> she, goes off, she goes off to face the bullseyes. We cut to Wilson Fisk. He can't find Typhoid Mary. Long story short, Daredevil gets out of prison, finds out that Bullseye is doing the thing. Also, this this big full page shot right here. Yes, I'm, that's where I'm at right now. Yep, loved it. Uh, he gets out. Electra is basically like, yeah, he's been trying to be all secretive, but I know Bullseye, and if there's anything I'll draw him out of hiding, it's a chance to kill me, because he should have killed me before, and he knows mm-hmm. it. And so she's standing there being a badass. Daredevil's like, I gotta go help her. Bullseye starts showing up, and then who shows up to help her but Typhoid Mary in a Daredevil costume? What? <laughs> And she's like, I love that. It's like, oh, well, maybe I don't die today. Right. <laughs> and there's side to side, maybe bullseye to us. And I'm like, fuck yes. Remember my theory of Daredevils as a book? Yes. Oh, I hope so, so much. Um, we know, we, we do know, as we talked about before, we have the new crossover coming up. Yeah. Um, and it's about Fisk. So where does Typhoid Mary fit into that? Right. Are they supposed to be getting married too? I know how. How is he going to react to her donning this suit right now? Even though it is for him, her whole motivation is to kill Bullseye for him. But yeah. I don't think he's going to like her rocking that suit. Also, yeah. this this shot of Bullseye right before the whole showdown. This one, yes, it's very yeah. Tim Sale. Like it, it made me think of like Batman Tim Sale ish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just okay. the way he looked, I was like, I just, I really like that that shot of Bullseye. Yeah, definitely. Good stuff. God, Daredevil's great. Yeah, it is. <laughs> All right, now we're gonna talk about our X books. X Force number twenty-three. Almost said number one for some reason. <laughs> um, written by Benjamin Percy, drawn by Martin Cocolo, colored by Guru EFX, and lettered by Joe Caramagna. Um. This might sound like a rerun, but Beast is terrible, 
keeps secrets from the X-Men <laughs> almost ruins everything. <laughs> I don't know if you actually appreciated my tweet on Beast. <laughs> oh, oh, I did. <laughs> it's like, I, I only, I, it only because he literally started, he basically starts monologuing I love you Kanye by Kanye to himself, but in a, <laughs> in a Beast form, when he starts saying like, yeah, people tell me that they miss the old Beast. And it's like, it's like, oh my God, he's going, I miss the old Beast, the kitty cat Beast. I mean, <laughs> I miss the time displaced beast. (laughs) And it's like, beast is the Kanye of comics. I've never really doing the whole, like, yeah, I could calm down, but then you wouldn't get dark twisted fantasy. (laughs) (laughs) It's just like, no one wants that. I eat dark beast. (laughs) (laughs) No one one really wanted that. You understand that, right? (laughs) Like, Like, so, so basically when they got attacked by the, the Xeno mutants that were the nesting dolls that made little tiny versions of himself. He kept one because he's a fucking asshole. Yep. And he decides, oh, I'm going to dissect it. Ooh, look, it's cool. Oh, it's still alive. Oh, shit, it's still alive. Oh, shit, it climbed in my ear. <laughs> it's just like, idiot. Great, great beast. Great job, buddy. And so he, um, he's trying to deal with that. And the best part about it is he has to get Black Tom to help him. And Black Tom, Black Tom sends out Lil Tom. We Tom, <laughs> yeah, we Tom. That's right. And he go. He also goes into to be here. <laughs> so. I I love that when he goes to like like Sage. What's wrong? Oh, nothing. Um, could you just get Black Tom, please? <laughs> <laughs> like shit, 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 shit. <laughs> like, meanwhile, we're dealing with Mikhail over in Russia, and he's trying to get the cerebral sword to work. We've been building up to that for a while now, mm-hmm. which I think is really cool. That we basically been up to that since Krakoa started. So, like the Mikel stuff, because that's yeah. when the Colossus arc started, and just like, ah, so good. So we're definitely going to be getting Colossus back in the story. And this was just kind of a building issue, you know? Right. Um, that's basically what it was. So it was really cool, built up, uh, and I'm excited to see where it goes. And even Colossus has been, like, even teased with the, the Inferno uh, teases, with, like, the whole, like, yes. specifically with, like, like which one do you trust? And he's, like, on that page. It's kind of like, oh, shit. Uh, so he can play yeah. to that. Yeah, exactly. So, which brings us to our final issue of the week: Excalibur, <laughs> number twenty-three. Um, you guys know I love Excalibur. Uh, so, written by the fantastically talented Teeny Howard, drawn by Marcus Toe, colored by Eric Arcianega, and lettered by Ariana Mayer. Um, this one is continuing, kind of, kind of continue off the story of Merlin with King Arthur. We got the big reveal in the last issue, but it doesn't directly go back to that. It kind of deals with the around of it, and part of that is dealing with the fact that uh, fucking Doctor Doom shows up <laughs> and just starts being Doctor Doom everywhere and being like, "I demand things, peasants." And also telling Psylocke she's quite attractive, and if he ever decided to, <laughs> if he ever decided to lower himself to marriage, she's the type of girl. I'm like, oh fuck off! Exactly, not even her, but someone like her. <laughs> yeah, fucking asshole. He's, he's just, just fucking doom, man. It's just the way he is. But um, I, I, I did enjoy the issue quite a bit. Um, we get to see the rest of the group do some fun stuff. I'm glad to see the group actually sticking together for the most part. Because, you know, we got a shake-up from yeah. the X-Men group. So, um, it's fun. I, I'm really enjoying it. Um, I also like that Doom was like, they're like, yeah, you can't use our portal without a mutant. He's like, oh, I brought a mutant. He just pulls out a mutant baby. 
<laughs> Don't worry, I got a, I got a fresh six pack right here. We can go through. <laughs> it's just like it's the most doomed solution to something I've ever thought of. Oh, I kidnapped a baby. It's okay. <laughs> Don't worry. About it. it's like, and it's up to Jubilee to like almost like go find the parents or maybe in, like bring this kid to, to Krakoa. <laughs> take take it to Stacy X and all the other babies she's raising. Like, <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> just like I got another baby for you. <laughs> like, just like what the fuck, man. Um, there's also a lot of um, drops of the name of Mordred. Yes, which is interesting because we just finished the Black Knight series, and uh, they keep calling people friends of Mordred. And what we understand now is that that means mutant. Yes, implying that Mordred himself is a mutant. Yeah. <laughs> and that's really cool. Mm-hmm. I'm curious to see where that goes and how much it ties into Black Knight. Black Knight has already always had a like semi tangible link to Excalibur. He was a member of Excalibur, okay, a couple times, and he was in uh, Captain Britain in my thirteen. Um, but he's also human and British, and with everything going on with the UK government and the mutants, that's really interesting. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious to see what's going to happen there. <laughs> Um, yeah, but I'm really, I'm really, I'm really enjoying it. I think it's fun. Um, and I just love the X-Men magic side. So can't wait to see what happens there. Um, but that's pretty much it on that. Did you have anything else you want to add about that book? Yes. Um, (laughs) I find it hilarious that, um, in the last, in the last issue of Excalibur, one of my highlights was, uh, Gambit getting a power up through tarot cards and powering, powering them up that way. So I was like, oh, cool. Like, they, they didn't lose that. They're still going to incorporate it in, in the next issue. He uses it to gamble, but he uses a magic card in this magical world that these other uh, creatures can just look right through the magic and bullshit. So, like, Gambit couldn't really gambit his way into swindling people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love that scene. I was like, bro, that's like a, what is that? It's like a Saturn and Make card. Get the fuck out of here, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's good stuff. And oh, and also a very cool extended scene with Mad Jim Jaspers that I thought was pretty. cool. Oh yes, yeah, he was. He had a long scene too. Yeah, I, I love that part too. Is like when Doom is like, "What?" Like he starts bringing the the. I'll bring down the the army of Liberia in my bag. It's like, oh, you know what? Yeah, I'll do. I'll fucking take that instead. I'll take Liberia. That's a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> I like Mad Jim Jaspers because there's this whole thing that, like in the X Men community where there's there's three levels of Mad Jim Jaspers knowledge. Right? Mm-hmm. There's who's Mad Jim Jaspers. <laughs> There's wait him and Jamie Mad or him and Jamie Braddock aren't the same person, <laughs> and then there's the people that are like Magic Jasters is awesome, <laughs> like because like, like, he literally has kind of the same powers as Jamie Braddock, right? And they're kind of just both kooky British dudes, and it was kind of like yeah, they're a little, they're a little like duplicating each other, but at the same time, oh my god, they're awesome. <laughs> like, I, and I, I loved his reasoning. He was like, yeah, dude, I can. I can make whatever I want. You need to tell yeah. me what you can give me. <laughs> I, I love that, ra- that that rationale and how to how to work with them. Yeah, definitely. So, all right, that's the end of our list. Josue, anything else you want to bring up before we go? Um, a quick shout out to that sweet present we got in our emails—the really unexpected yeah. present that we got. Yeah, we uh, we did receive a. A copy, a PDF copy of a top cow graphic novel that's going to be coming up, uh, and it's called uh, "Fine Print" mm-hmm. by Stepan Sedgik. And we haven't had a chance to review it yet because we just got it yesterday on New Comic Book Day. Yes, uh, but we'll definitely probably be. I think this is going to be something we're going to tweet out. Yeah, um, 
And uh, but check it out. It looks really cool already. I just I just quickly scanned it. And man, it just visually it looks awesome. I know so. it's it's one that I've only known about because I know you can only read it like online or like basically it's just like more of a of a web comic. But I can never read. But it's one that's like after reading Sunstone, it's like I need more of this because it's just like very fun and playful. Um, that now incorporating deities, I I I, I want to read this so bad. Yeah, definitely. So yeah, um, we're definitely going to be checking that out. Uh, as far as myself, I um. I've been reading the the um the Shadow and Bone, the first book of That's the right. actual original trilogy. Mm-hmm. Um it's not quite the same as the the Crow's duology. It's it's more traditional fantasy and love story, which I don't have a problem with or anything. I like it, but I really like the heistiness of the other ones. So mm-hmm. um but yeah, getting through that. I also have a couple old DC graphic novels that I'm going through right now, including um a couple old Nightwing ones, including the nice. Search for Oracle, which was a really fun story oh, cool. that I haven't read in a long time. So very curious to see what I, uh, you know what I think now. You know, going back to those old stories. Sometimes oh yeah, your opinions shift and change and stuff like that. Going back to pre New Fifty Two is just like, oh shit, we've gone a long ways from this. Exactly. So um, yeah, other than that, uh, just thank you so much for joining us on We Have Issues. Uh, you can check us out. On Twitter, primarily, is what we use for everything. So, on Twitter, you can find us at Geek Elite Media. Uh, so, that's our that's our network. You can find all the other shows from our channel on there, including uh, my favorite, Love of Pages. You can find out, check out Hey Mitch, where he most recently interviewed Hans, who had us over on Certain POV, and is going to be issuing one with his uh, partner, The Senegai, very soon as well. Um, and all the others, The Geek's Watch, all the other great shows on there. Check it out. Um, you can find this show, We Have Issues, at WHI Podcast on Twitter. You can find me at WHI Podcast Keith. Our producer Liz at WHI Podcast Liz. You can find Hostway at Hostway Reads Hostway on Twitter. And you can find our other show, Jukebox Vertigo, where we build a playlist every two weeks with our guests and friends around a random uh, subject. Our last episode that came out was solo projects so that's live right now you can check that out wherever you listen to your podcast our next episode is emo yes and we're going to be joined again by our good friend steven for that episode and i'm very excited because if anybody's has a level of excitement to actually make me give a shit about emo it's our friend steve so we'll see i've already picked out my songs i picked them out when we drew it because i knew exactly which songs i was going to choose i'm already more Uh, more than five yeah not me i have three solid three (laughs) and you're gonna think two of them are cop-outs i already have a feeling so anyways um but yeah so check it out at jukebox vertigo and uh finally just thank you so much for everything you guys do for us to listen to our show every week i cannot tell you how much i love pulling up anchor and seeing our viewership numbers every week and almost every week going up and ah that's just the best feeling in the world so uh, so, but again, thank you for continuing to support us. Uh, again, check us out on Geek Elite Media's channel as well as at geekelitemedia.com. Uh, special shout out to Josue, who has currently been streaming quite a bit on Twitch. Yes. You can check them out at Josue Plays Josue. <laughs> and um, right now you're playing Golf Story. Anything yes. else you have planned for the future? Um, yes. Um, whenever I finish the story mode uh, for God of War 3 so that Sochi can experience that, then I come over so I can finish collecting um, the Platinum for it. But then, because that's a PS3 version, I 
might double down and play God of War 3, the remastered for the PS4, so I can just get that Platinum Trophy as well. I'm going to get all the God of War trophies, all the Platinum Trophies for God of War. <laughs> God. Uh, and I might start streaming on the Geek Elite Media Twitch. Nice. Uh, I purchased Chrono Trigger. Ooh, cool. And I was like, that'd be a fun one to stream, to talk about the characters and stuff like that. Have you ever played it? I, just like the old ones. Yeah. So I purchased it on, on, on Steam. So yeah, I might actually do that. If I if I get the mood and have the time, I might start doing that. But uh, but yeah, once again, guys, thank you so much for everything you do for us. And as always, do not forget to geek out. This concludes our broadcast.